Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the PDH Pod, the one and only Magic the Gathering podcast dedicated to the total exploration of the Pauper Commander format. I'm your host, Brad Drack V, and let's see what my co-bros are up to. That'll be my last <laughs> bro joke, I promise. First up, Dave the Alcadron Vader. How was your week? We missed you last week. Yeah, uh, I had, I've had i had a much better week so far than last week. Uh, it's good to hear. Uh, yeah, some uh, stuff happened. Just awkward and unpleasant took me away from magic for a little while while i dealt with personal stuff but we're back we're very happy to be back uh things are looking up and i am excited to be here excited to talk about some new cards i i really am so i like for the first time in, in a couple weeks i had some free time over the last couple of days and so i sat down with the entire spoiler like you know the, the spoiler season has been going on for like a couple of weeks now and, and the discords are all like really excited about it like mm -hmm. there's a there's a spoiler channel in the pdh uh home base discord and every every single day during spoiler season people are posting new cards and talking about them and comparing them to other cards there's there's a ton of activity and i've just been sort of like ignoring that for the last three <laughs> weeks because i've just been so sure. overwhelmed with other stuff but mm -hmm. yeah like this this past weekend i just dove headlong into the spoiler i just set aside like three hours when i could just study it card by card go through it and like go through it deck by deck even and i, I just oh, take sure, sure. each one of my decks and i i'd say which which of the new cards are going to go into this deck which of the new cards go into this other deck so uh i i had a great time doing it i think this set's going to be a ton of fun i'm excited to see what it's about yeah i think so too i actually uh looked at some of your Moxfield decks for inspiration, whatever new decks for myself. And I, I saw you already made some changes with the new ones or put them in your sideboard or whatever. So you've definitely been, been brewing with them already. Yep. Yep. I, uh, when, when, when new cards to keeping like something like 80, some decks like up to date is a huge, like <laughs> logistical headache. So sure. what I do is I, I go through each deck and I, I will add when there's new cards, I'll add them to the sideboard. And then if they're in the sideboard, that to me, that means I need to find cuts for these. And I'll go through the electronic lists, and I'll look for cuts. And when I find the cuts that I want to make, I'll, I'll, I'll use Moxfield's categories system, and I'll create a new category called Cut Me. And then I'll just okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll move the cards into the Cut Me. I, I don't actually change them in the Moxfield list until I physically replaced the cards with the new cards. Yep, yep. And yep. that's that's how I know like, you know, when when I when I open up a list and I see like cut me's and sideboards, I'm like, "Oh, okay. I need to I still need to acquire those cards." So, mm -hmm. uh Yeah, I kind of do the same thing for my paper cube, my popper cube. Yeah. yeah. So if you're looking at my Moxfields list and you're wondering like, "Why are there seven cards in a category called cut me? What does that mean?" Like, <laughs> that means their sideboard cards are coming in. Yep. Right on. Well, Dave, did you know that we shipped Liam to California this week? Did I know did know that. Uh, I yeah. hope that he had a great travel time. I think so. Sounded like he did anyway. He made it over there in record time. Good. Almost instantaneously. Viva so, yeah, we, we, uh, yeah, yeah. We shipped him out to bring in a bring in a very special guest you just heard all the way from Tennessee. We got Jules from the House of Commons podcast. Welcome to the show, Jules. How's it going? I'm honored to be here. I really appreciate you uh you uh, adopting me briefly sure. for the to be your bro, you know. It might be permanent. What, you never know. It's what bros do. <laughs> true, true, true. <laughs> Let's. We're depending on how how we like you compared to Jules or compared to Liam. We'll uh, yeah. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> well, I'm already hoping that I can subcontract Liam out because uh, 
you know, Chev's getting on my nerves. Recently, so <laughs> hey, whatever works. Next time we'll we'll swap uh we'll swap Liam for for Chev maybe or maybe maybe swap me for Chev maybe. Yeah. What when, when? Mix and match. When do we? We'll get all five of us in a room and it'll just be pure. <laughs> right. Just throw microphones around and just see what happens. Right. Like the the yeah. whoever whoever walks out of that room, they were the winners and they get they get the new podcast and mm, whoever whoever stays in the room, right? Is this a hostile takeover? Is that... Are we having a merger? <laughs> Might be. In, in merger in quotes. Merger. <laughs> uh, too real. Too real. Too relevant. Yep. Too topical. But yeah, I'm uh, I'm super hyped to be here. Super hyped to talk about a bunch of cards at the common and uncommon. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Bro's looking uh, Bro's looking pretty Bro cool. Bro is looking pretty good. But I think before we get to that, just like all good podcasts, we got to do a little bit of housekeeping. Just want to give a shout out, mention of our Patreon account. It's fairly new, but we got some good, good folks in there. We actually got a new patron this week, Scooby Drew. Welcome to the family. Thank you very much for your support. And if you want to be as cool as Scoob, just uh, hit patreon.com slash the PDH pod and, and show us a little bit of love. If you like what we're doing, you want to support the show, that would be amazing. And then we've got some big plans coming up for all our patrons, our big family over there. We're thinking about, which we're probably going to do, is give our patrons access to our PDH pod discord. Up until now, it's pretty much just been sort of a um, a catch-all for our shows, our show notes, our our private you know co-host conversations when we bring guests in that sort of thing. So, but we're thinking about opening up you know half of it or so some channels for our patrons too to come in, chat with us, talk about decks, talk about whatever you'd like. So that should be pretty cool. And then while you're at it, if you want to check out our slowly growing YouTube channel, that'd be awesome too. Or just the PDH Pod over there as well. So that's all my housekeeping this week. We get right onto the main topic. Big set review, Brothers War. I was pretty excited about this one. How are you guys feeling about it overall? Like like you were saying, Dave, how you sort of missed out on some of the spoilers or didn't check in on them or, or what have you. That's how I was with the Dominaria United spoilers. Like they started and then I, I glanced away and looked back and they were over. Like I missed <laughs> most of them, but I've been pretty involved in these. So what do you kind of think is an overall view of them? Overall, I'm very into this set. I think that it's doing really interesting things both flavorfully and mechanically like i i was i was playing you know a million years ago when urza and mishra were like really relevant so like a lot of the throwbacks mm -hmm. a lot of the, the callbacks they they're really like they hit the nostalgia buttons for me a lot of the you know the unearth is the mechanically perfect for a bunch of like you know archaeologists digging up ancient thran relics and like trying to yeah. get them. uh i think they they've done a much much better job of like visually and flavorfully capturing the idea that this was a, a catastrophic war like yeah you look at cards from antiquities and you're like yeah. the clay statue is just sitting there and you're like okay like this was a <laughs> i guess there was a war going on and like it was partly fought by like these slow looking like squishy good boys like how cute yeah and then you look at you know you're looking at cityscape leveler and you're like oh that, that's what happened <laughs> that 400 foot tall robot just killed 8,000 people like okay <laughs> like this was kind of a big deal like this, is this was a war right and 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 then you get you know the phyrexians involved with like gix i think i think they did a much much better job storytelling this war than they did in 1994 which i mean i'm not going to hold that against them they had no oh, idea sure, what was sure, going sure. on in 94 but like it's cool that we're going back to it i think that mechanically it's very good i think that in terms of power level i think that it is not particularly high powered and i think that that's perfect sure i think that's perfect for a standard set absolutely it, right i think that if we're going to be doing this 
a, a new set comes out every three minutes plan that Wizards appears to be on, like they can't all be Kamigawas, and like <laughs> yeah. they can't all be these you know Commanders Legends that just completely flip the table on our entire format and com- change mm-hmm. the meta and change the, everything. Like I when when they give us a set and it's just like. There's a couple real juicers in here. Like if you've got artifact decks, these cards are going to be useful. If you've got graveyard decks, like you're going to get some unearth toys. You've got a few new really powerful te- toys to play with, but like nothing is getting completely like upheavaled, which is sure, exactly sure, where sure. I want the sets to be right now. So I I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be fantastic. Yep, I was actually you brought up like the unearthing and all that stuff. I was admittedly I don't know a lot about the lore I know of it and, and vague facts about it and this and that vague storylines and Jules probably knows more than I do I was actually surprised at how much uh, like unearth, unearthing there is in this set yeah is that like the time travel stuff or is it just the Mishra the the Brothers War is known for like things coming back to life like I was just surprised by the sheer amount of it pretty much so the the Brothers War started with Urza and Mishra being archaeologists under mm-hmm. under the tutelage of uh, a professor named Tokasia. And they they were out in the desert and they were just digging up these old Thran relics, which at like before before Urza and Mishra got involved, digging up the relics was purely like a an, an academic pursuit for them. They were like, mm-hmm. let's just study this big, like non-functioning hunk of metal and wonder what it might have once been used for. And right. then Urza and Mishra discovered like the big daddy power stone and because they were squabbling little brats they broke it in half <laughs> and it right. turned into the might stone and the meek stone and they carried these things around with them and they realized that they could use these things to like revive these ancient thran war machines these big relics and so they they started like bringing these robots back to life and like okay both of them like they, they both recognized that this power stone that they had broken the, the Might Stone and Meek Stone, would be infinitely more powerful if they could reassemble it. Mm-hmm. So each of them was just trying to bully the other one into giving them their <laughs> half of the stone. And it turned into this war that annihilated continents. Yep. And like the M- Mishra got so corrupted by like Phyrexian influences that he ended up, you know, going like he was ostensibly the bad guy yeah. in the original run. But like, I mean, like then Urza, you know, Three minutes later, Urza turned into also a bad guy. Like he was, <laughs> he was a garbage human as well. He just wasn't yeah. corrupted by Phyrexia. So yeah, like, yeah, it's very. So that's kind of how like the power stones play into the unearth and all. That yes. Stuff. Okay. So like they, Great. as they were, they realized very quickly that they could, they were, they were both talented enough artificers that they could recreate these big war machines, mm-hmm. but they could not recreate the power sources. They had to dig up the power stones. Okay, that so makes the, sense. The the archaeology, like the they they, you can see this on the the card, um, power stone retriever something. Mm-hmm. They they they're talking about how they they can always create more automatons, but like power stones are a limited supply until you go into the desert and dig up more and find more of them. So like okay. that's that that became a like a limited resources part of their whole war event. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they were constantly digging for new things, new new designs that they could re reappropriate and turn into war machines and okay. bigger, so better that, power stones. That's what that the they could use. that's what the unearthing is representing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Well, now it all it's all clicking. Now it makes sense. Yeah. I um, appreciate I've that been, little the little class. I've been talking a lot, and like we we worked very hard to get Julian onto our show so that we could listen to Julian talk with us. And I haven't heard <laughs> what he thinks 
about bro at all. I would also love to know what your thoughts are on bro. I appreciate that, bros. Um, <laughs> I, similar to similar to y'all, I was not super engaged in the spoiler season as uh, as it was going about. I kind of just waited for the big dump at the end and then uh, checked everything out. I agree. I don't think the set is really you know blowing the lid off any sort of power levels um, in in really any format, which I think is uh, great as well. We don't need to uh, we don't need to power creep. Uh, we've we've already done that, and I think we're in the middle of kind of reeling that back, which I, I think is a mm-hmm. good thing. Um, I think the biggest thing for me here with Bro, and since I've been so focused with House of Commons doing strictly competitive stuff, and there's so many fewer cards that we can actually properly utilize in that format. You know, having this opportunity to come on your guys' show and really look through every single common and see what's going on. I, uh, I, I gained a, a reappreciation for just how every set, there's always all sorts of commons that we can actually utilize. And, you know, even if they're not essentially strict upgrades or whatever, there's just a ton of commons that are at this point, a certain level and a certain level of utility of power and utility yeah. that no matter what sort of strategy you want to do, uh, you can always kind of find a home. And I definitely feel like being able to go through, I mean, we have uh, what nearly, nearly 50 cards that we're going to talk about yeah. <laughs> um you know so yeah it was just a it was a real treat to go through and kind of rediscover all that sort of stuff and um i agree i think the set is put together mechanically and i'm sure it's going to be like a great draft environment as well i think it's it's very well balanced and also loving the art as well so just very excited to kind of get my hands on these cards and actually uh start seeing them uh put in work yeah yeah well said i'm really glad that you mentioned uh you know, being on the House of Commons and talking about the competitive things. This seems wildly unlikely, but in case anyone isn't familiar with Julian and his work, <laughs> uh, he and Chev run uh, the the other PDH podcast. It's called House of Commons, and they focus very directly on the competitive part of the, the PDH scene. And so they have also done a set review. We're collaborating on the set review, which is mm-hmm. fantastic because there are there are a lot of cards in the set that are worth talking about. There, there, there aren't there aren't a ton that are going to completely warp the the meta, but there are a ton that are worth discussing because there's some very cool stuff here. And so we decided that we were going to do it together. We are collaborating on yeah. it. So we we sent Liam to California to record uh, with the the House of Commons, and they talked about the cards that they thought were going to be the most impactful for the competitive scene, and we are not going to repeat all of that. Sure. The House of Commons is something that you should be listening to anyway because it's phenomenal. So yeah, absolutely. Go, go, go listen to that episode for the, the really competitive cards. I do want to just like say a couple of their names here because these are, these are worth, real juicers. Worth it. Yeah. And if we yeah, don't absolutely. say their names, I would be doing you a, a tiny disservice. Overwhelming Remorse, <laughs> Monster of a Removal card. Bitter Reunion is a better Tormenting Voice in a very cool way, and we like that. Mm-hmm. Loran's Escape... Gaia's Gift, we're getting a lot more of these cheap, instant speed, hexproof, indestructible protection pieces. Yeah, we've gotten two or three just this year, I think. Yeah, and that is, yeah. that, that's that's going to be moderately game-changing for white and green. Mm-hmm. Any, what, what else should we mention? Well, I'm going to do the cheeky podcaster thing of saying if people want to hear uh, the other ones that we haven't mentioned, they should go listen to the show. But, uh, you know. Sure. You know uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> they definitely Perfect. should do that. Yeah. Uh, one, one I, guess, I guess what I'll say is... Um, and something that we we discuss on the show is uh, this set didn't do anything extremely new in terms of like pushing design space, I would say, or completely warping the format, at least in the, on the competitive side. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we did get just a lot of a lot of ad- uh, additional redundancy and a lot of important effects, like you said, the 
the cheap protection spells, uh, very aggressively costed removal spells, all that sort of stuff. And we kind of discussed how we're just we're starting to hit critical mass of this thing where you can actually start having to make decisions about the fact that, okay, well, what white protection spells do I want? What green, uh, you know, give a creature hexproof uh, spells do I want? Uh, so that's that's interesting um, just because now all of a sudden, yeah, you can actually kind of mix and match as opposed to, okay, there's three options and I, I have to play all three because I need my commander to live. Yeah. Yeah, and perfect. I, for years, I've been I've had these decks where you know, like the our, our first ever three by three. I talked about Rabid Wombat in in 2013. The Rabid Wombat deck ran every single green instant with the word hexproof on it, and like I was just desperate. <laughs> like every single time they printed a new one, I was cutting random other stuff from the deck to just jam more of that in there. Now they print uh, Gaia's Gaia's Gift. And I go, okay, my my protection suite is saturated, so I'm going to cut one of the worst hexproof indestructible cards for this new better one, and that that feels completely different, and it's it feels really good, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Another thing is that if you wanted to, if you wanted to be cheeky, and that's once one of the one of the other great things about you know Popper, like I was saying, there's all all the cards are you know you can you can have a home for all sorts of cards. Is that you can for different. Uh, decks you can have different suites of protection oh, yeah. like you're probably going to want protection spells or removal spells in all of your decks but you know depending on what you pull if you're just you're literally playing off cards that you pull from packs mm-hmm. or um you know if you just want to mix things up if there's certain arts or lore that you want to incorporate into your list you can play different ones to fit whatever the identity of the deck you're playing is exactly yeah yeah, yeah. if you want to go for flavor wins or all that kind of stuff bird horse runs all of the white protection that costs one mana because it needs mm-hmm. it to be really cheap but like Sigardian Paladin runs all of the white protection that involves counters. So stuff like take up the shield mm-hmm. and yeah, exactly. feet of resistance. Like I will run those over Apostle's Blessing in Sigardian Paladin because they're protection and counters. So yeah, yep. it's an excellent point. Right. Yep, it is a good point. We're getting a, quite a bit of variety, a lot of choices now. See, so yeah, I think we can move on to our actual set review here. Basically, what we did here, we didn't break it down by necessarily color or anything like that. What Jules mentioned earlier, you know, we've got 40 or 50 cards to talk about. What we did is it was we picked a handful of commons that we love, a handful of uncommons that we love, and we're just going to sort of take turns talking about them, get our co-host feedback on them, kind of give a brief description of why we like them, what kind of deck we see them going in, or if potentially they spawn a new type of archetype, which we don't see that a lot in common. But, you know, just stuff like that. We don't have to go super in-depth, and we're going to try to avoid going over all 100 commons or however many there were in the set. So I think with that said, Dave, do you want to start us off? Yeah. Want to hit us with some commanders? Yeah, I would love to tell you about some commanders because, as I mentioned earlier, I spent a lot of time just going through the set. I also spent some time this afternoon just putting deck drafts together the one that i'm really excited about is called cradle clear cutter cradle clear cutter is a six mana three six artifact creature golem i love that you started with this type of creature too yeah it's (laughs) this this is one of the kinds of decks that i really enjoy it has it has one one main ability and that is you can tap it to add an amount of green mana equal to its power Mm-hmm. So as a as a three six baseline, you can tap it to add three mana, or yep. if you equip it with a great axe, and <laughs> now you have an eight six, you can tap yeah. it add eight green mana. And put like, a rancor on it, yeah, whatever. Toss on a rancor, uh, yeah. Well, no. So 
I'm not going to put Rancor on the clear cutter. I'm going to tap it for eight mana to play a Wrecking Beast and put Rancor on the Wrecking Beast. <laughs> and then I'm going to tap some of my lands to put the Great Axe onto the Wrecking Beast also. Like that. Yep. That's honestly all I want to do with this creature. It's just like... I have a mana dork in the command zone that taps for whatever its power is. So a you whole bunch. toss him a bunch of axes on him and then tap him for a lot. <laughs> yep. it's, it's just big, dumb, stompy green. What I think makes him particularly interesting is that he has the ability called Prototype, where for three mana, you can cast him as a 1-3 that still has that ability. So he can be the dork that comes down on turn three and taps for one mana base, Plus, you know, five more for the Great X or two more for the Bone Splitter or whatever. <laughs> X mana. Which I'm probably going to do with him. Sure. Like, I think I think playing him on turn three is usually the right call. And then, like, if he dies to Bolt, like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'll either, if I have eight mana, I'll recast him for eight as a three six that doesn't die to Bolt. Or, you know, if I only have five, I'll recast him again as a one three and then just put the Great Axe on him to get that mana. Like the, the difference in his stat line, I think, is really well represented by this 3 mana for a 1-3 or 6 mana for a 3-6 that both have this mm-hmm. massive mana ability. So I think he's going to be super fun. I, uh, I Yeah, I, I think so too. I put my Moxfield deck up on that this afternoon, so I think it's going to be good. Yeah, and if anybody's curious, the, the, proto, the commander tax and all that stuff still applies to prototype, correct? Yes. If you're casting it for its prototype mm-hmm. out of the command zone. Yes. Proto- okay. That's unfortunate. Prototype right? is an alternate cost. You still pay yep. all appropriate additional costs. Still pay the sales tax. So you're you're essentially uh you're essentially trying to utilize this as just a a, a, a new and cheeky version of mono green stompy. Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I I think it's I think it's a particularly interesting take on mono green stompy because of cards like great axe are now much more valuable to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In that you can you can use Great Axe as a source of five mana, <laughs> or I mean if you have if you have Vitalize in your hand or like whatever Dragon Scale Boon like two mm-hmm. plus one plus one counters and untap it like now now the Great Axe is like twelve mana for you it yeah, you're, it gets you're out just of hand cranking out stuff yeah it sure does you know what's really cute is you can you can use something like Giant Growth and now this becomes it becomes a like a dark ritual basically Ex- exactly yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And there are, like, what's even better is there's a handful of giant growths that untap the creature. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. you can you can get that's true. crazy burst mana out of this guy. Like, bull strength is a two mana plus two plus two trample and untap. Like <laughs> Wild. There's a different one that's, like, for, for two mana, it's plus three plus three and untap it, and it gains reach. Like, it's supposed to be this, ah, I got your flyer combat trick, but actually it's just like, ah, I get ten mana. <laughs> like <laughs> So... Yeah, there's that's def- there's definitely starting to be critical mass of those too. I want to na- say there's like four or five. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're st- you're starting to sell me on this. Oh yes. Yeah. So yeah, you can. I, I was sold when he brought up the great X. Yeah, and like I, that sounds fun. When when I put the deck together, I I, I originally added in all of those you know plus two power and untap it cards, and then like afterwards I like I started to cut them because I I was worried that the deck was just going to get you know here's turn five. I have 15 mana. My hand is empty. Like now, what? <laughs> like so, I I wanted to sort right. of dial back a little bit to have some staying power, and I I wanted to focus more on the great axes and the bone splitters and the amorphous axes because those are going to give me the mana when I want the mana, and then I can spend the mana to move them onto the wrecking beast or the right. wassail dreadmaw or the 
Rust Goliath, whatever a Rust Goliath is, who even knows? Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Don't go away. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, that that's for me. That's the interesting take that this has on Big Green Stompy is that now all of this it's it's half a Voltron deck, but sure. the Voltron's giving you mana, and then the Voltron is doing the Stompy. So like that's that's yeah, what they, it's that's how it appeals. Plays... To me sort of plays right into what you and Jules were talking about earlier, how you, you can build it in two or three different ways, depending on how you want your deck to go, you know, mm-hmm. what, what, what you want the flavor to be, what do you want it to look like? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's very cool. Very cool design space. You can even adjust your game plan amongst those three ways mid game. depending sure. on, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, the classic question, who's, who's the beatdown? down, right? right? Yeah. Hopefully it's you. Oh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you got a lot of mana there, but, uh, but I mean, I, I love six toughness that blocks, like literally the entire format. Yeah, for days. So if you need to, you can just yeah, you can just set up the wall and and hold out. Yep. Yeah, and like the a, a bunch of those things that untap it also give it reach. So like that, right, it really does block everything in the format. Mm. All right. Well, I'm I'm gonna keep my first one here short and sweet. I'm gonna do the honorable mention first. I picked Battery Bear. It's the Simic one, the Simic uncommon creature. It's a three four human artificer, and it's sort of a mana dork or helps make mana dorks rules box says creatures you control have tapped to add a colorless mana this mana cannot or can't be spent to cast a non-artifact spell and whenever you cast an artifact spell with mana value six or greater draw a card i don't know what to do with this but the potential is very exciting i'm thinking you know simic metalcraft that sort of thing but i honestly wouldn't know where to begin because when i when i think of artifact synergies when i think of metalcraft decks Simic is probably the last color combination that I'm even even considering. You know, it's always been Rakdos or you know, whatever. So I saw this card on your list too, Dave. Did you have th- thoughts about this one? Or I just think it's really interesting. I think there's some cool design space here and, and something could be done with it. But I just, I do not know what. I just thought it was is neat. I have a couple of thoughts, but I want to hear, I want to hear Julian's thoughts first. Yeah. All right, so let me hit you with some stats real quick. I did a quick little, yes. quick little scryfall search. We've got 36 cards that are artifacts that are uh, converted mana cost. Is it six? Or, yeah, six or greater uh, in the Simic colors. Okay. I think the thing for me is that our top end is going to be probably a lot of these um, prototype, you know, these giant artifact prototype things that we're getting. Mm-hmm. Um, things like Boulder Branch Golem, things like Depth Charge Colossus. Um, Maelstrom Colossus is going to be a huge pickup. That's the oh, sure, one sure. that's got Cas- Cascade. Um, so, you know, we can, once again, play uh, just we have the biggest stuff um, and, and we're going to punch the hardest. Uh, but I think that something that Simic does super good is um, there's a lot of great, well, in general, in Magic, there's a lot of great ETB uh, creatures now. But now all of a sudden we can convert all of those creatures that normally we would just play for the ETB and then they just kind of sit there. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden they're going to give us mana. So sure. we're still playing like a Simic mid-range grind game, you know, and we can have some blink shenanigans if we want, but it's just now our top end uh, is even uh, heavier and feistier. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, also too, being in green, we're, we're in the Sprout swarm, swarm colors. So if you just want to crank out a bunch of tokens and just use them as mana dorks to, to cast the bigger stuff, cast your Colossuses and Ulamogs or what have you. Or I guess not an art. Yeah, it would have to be an artifact spell, but yeah. So yeah, I think about that too. Sure. A little token strategy. What do you uh, What do you've got cooking up, Dave? Any ideas? I think that you nailed it. I think that the top end and the, the this game's or this, this deck's plan for winning the game is going to be have biggest creatures and beat face with the big creatures. Mm-hmm. I think that 
this is like uniquely positioned like when you look at a, a card that's already really good like uh hard evidence hard yeah. evidence makes is a one mana blue sorcery that makes a crab and a clue and now the crab is a mana dork like now the crab is <laughs> a mana dork yep <laughs> that's that's kind of nuts point. so like yep. i think i think that I think that this deck has a lot of potential. I think that it's going to be really difficult to balance these two abilities. And what's that, what's going to be extra weird is you're balancing these two abilities. The I want I want little ETBs that are now also mana dorks. You have to balance that against I want big gigantic honky <laughs> artifact beaters that are going to end the game for me. Yeah. And you also have to balance that against like how much of the ETB creatures do I want to be artifacts? So like also true. I I really like you know, hard evidence, but uh, if you're if you're talking about something like Sarulf's Packmate, maybe Sarulf's Packmate is a terrible example because you can spend this like Power Stone mana to foretell it, just not cast it from foretell. But like right. there's there's other ETB creatures like Moldrifter. You can't no, you can use Power Stone mana to evoke. No, evoke is an alternate casting cost. You cannot use Power Stone <laughs> mana to evoke a Moldrifter. So like that's that's the thing. Like Moldrifter is probably a pretty obvious include because it's a you know, draws you cards and taps for mana, but like none of the mana that your body's tapped for can be used to cast your Moldrifters or your Owl Bears or your whatever else that draws cards. Yeah. So this uh, stipulation on the Power Stones is X mana can't be used to cast certain spell or certain spell from the hand or something like that. We've seen this a few times more recently. You know, you think, okay, well, I guess I just have to play artifacts, but there's a lot of things that you can use mana for that aren't casting yes. spells, activated abilities. One thing that I'm seeing just from this Scryfall search, a Mirror Shell Crab is a hell of a card. Happens to be an artifact, a large creature, but it also has that channel ability <laughs> that allows you to mana leak something, which you can use your power stones for. Which you can for. use your stones for, yep. Yeah, yep. so things like channel, things like flashback. I think invokers are probably going to be Yeah, your invokers. Mm -hmm. here. You know, things like yep. Bonders Ornament. You can always spend your power stone mana on a Bonders Ornament, and that's... That's true. That's pretty great, so... That's all I want to say. <laughs> right? So yeah, I think I think this deck is going to be really interesting. I think that people brewing this deck are going to have to put in a lot of work to find the balance between the artifact beaters and the outlets for the Power Stone mana and what kinds of creatures are going to be producing this Power Stone mana. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons I liked it so much. Is it's really cool, and it doesn't explicitly tell you what deck to build with it. Exactly. So uh, yeah. yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Well, Jules, what do you got for us for your first Commander? Well, I, I feel like we just did a bit of a deep dive on that one, so I'm going to keep this one uh, <laughs> short and sweet. I feel like uh, Yoshin Tactician deserves a shout-out. This is going to be a 2, a white and a blue, for a creature human soldier for a 3-4. Uh, it, it's just got one line of text that says, Other soldiers you control get plus 1, plus 1. So uh, we're on the, the Lord sub-theme. I was doing a little bit of digging beforehand. We have 301 soldiers uh, in Azorius at Common. That is wild. Um, surely... Yeah, surely there's a way that we can put together uh, some sort of coherent tribal deck, uh, which I think is cool because at least I haven't seen a ton of tribal decks in PDH as a whole, other than like elf decks, I think, you know, especially yeah. something like a um, Abomination of Llanowar. Mm -hmm. uh, but seeing more tribal decks, I just, you know, this is more options in our format, more things that people can do. And, you know, historically, Magic players love tribal decks. So Yoshin Tax Yoshin seems like a great pickup. Yeah, I agree. I am always down for new lords and... I, I like I like all the Lord like I like Lord creatures as a concept and in particularly I like them in white and or blue. So I'm I'm totally with you. Also, combat is so much more grindy in PDH than in something like EDH yeah. where it's just these crazy blowout turns. So having just like a base buff 
just, you know, as a static effect mm -hmm. is pretty huge. And that can be, you know, the difference between a lot of trades or, uh, you know, losing creatures in combat as opposed to coming out on top. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? What do you think about 301 soldiers? I'm, I'm really glad blue? that Julian mentioned this stat, the 301, because the first time I looked at Yoshin Tactician, I was like, okay, white, blue tribal, like it's prob <laughs> you're, you're probably better off with uh, the, the diagraph guy, the white, blue spirit guy mm -hmm. that gives all your spirits plus one, plus one, like, and hexproof. Cause that's enormous. And, but now, now I'm thinking about this, like there's gotta be better soldiers than there are spirits. Like it's not yeah, just about the buff. So. It's about the card quality that you have access to within this tribal. And like 301 is a heck of a number. So like now plenty I'm plenty of choices. I am now intrigued. I wasn't, I wasn't 10 minutes ago, but now I am. <laughs> we got him. The we other thing him. is, I guess, cause this is, uh, we're, this is the brothers war, but there is randomly soldier, support like it's almost a sub theme in this mm -hmm. set so yeah. not only are there soldiers in this set but there are instant sorceries whatever that just care about having soldiers or making soldiers or something I, so there's like that that's the other thing like i, I there, there has to be a lot more cards that explicitly reference soldiers than there are cards that explicitly reference spirits so like I think oh that, for sure for sure i think that the 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 soldier tribal blue white deck might might be better than the spirit tribal blue white deck yeah i think it is too it's a very interesting yeah. avenue. I'm excited to see someone else build it so that I can look at it. <laughs> I'm not... I'll let you know what I come up okay, with. Okay, good, good, yeah. good. I'm gonna Do I'm gonna stick with my clear cutter. That's uh that's my kind of brainless. So <laughs> What do you got next for fair us, enough, Dave? I only have one other that I want to talk about, and it's a weird one. It's a mono black card called Gurgling Anointer, which is a, it's a phenomenal creature type. Yeah. It is a Phyrexian horror. Yeah. It's a three mana one three flyer that Whenever you draw your second card each turn, you get to put a plus one, plus one counter on it. So this is going to reward you for stuff like, like on, on your turn, because you get to, you know, you get one card during your draw step. You, mm -hmm. Your second card could come from like a blood token or a clue or something. Just like whatever random card draw you can come up with. It's going to reward that by getting huge. And it's also going to reward stuff like all of the instant speed sign-in bloods. I forgot what they're called right now. Mm -hmm. the, the the instant speed pay three mana two life draw two cards like you do that yeah. on someone else yeah, there's um is it blood pact is that a is that yeah, an instant blood pact there's a there's a four mana one I yeah think that has marginal upside for pointed discussion i think yeah yeah all all of these guys pointed discussion gives you the blood tokens so that you can trigger this next turn as well so i think there's there's lots of great ways to give this guy counters and like drawing cards is something that you want to do anyway so like he's rewarding you for playing the game. So like that's mm -hmm. it's very cool. So he's gonna yes, get it is. and then because he's huge, he's gonna draw aggro and he's gonna die. People are gonna kill him. <laughs> and he has so that's more okay. text. When he dies, you get to return another target creature with mana value less than his power to the battlefield. So if you get this guy up to a four power creature and then he dies, you get a four mana creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. Mm -hmm. for free and then you get to cast this guy and you get to start doing it all over again so i think this guy's this is gonna like do some really cool stuff with like card draw probably a control shell with a bunch of like cool etb creatures that you want to use and then sacrifice in your graveyard so that when the you know, this guy dies you get those cards back and you can sacrifice yeah. him you can do stuff with mill sacrifice draw cards i think i think it's just playing into a lot of different avenues that black already likes playing into and it's just going to reward you for doing things that you want to do anyway so i think it's got some potential 
Yeah, I do too. And that, you know, we've seen that whenever you draw your second card, put a counter on it, but that's usually in blue. I love that it's in black. Yeah. So it should be very interesting. I think the only thing that I want to do with this, um, Dave, you you specifically said, oh, if you get them up to a 4-4, you can get back a a 4-drop. Hear me out. (laughs) Our anointer dies, and then we just get back Gravedigger, which then puts the anointer back into our hands so we can just pay 3-4. There it is. There it is. That's the combo. Wow. Got him. Yep, there we go. I love it. Yeah. uh, If if he's only a... if he's only three power at the time, then you get back your cadaver imp, and then yeah, that's it. You're perfect. <laughs> that's yeah. it. You're golden. Easy. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the grind game on this seems insane. Which yeah, absolutely. For me, is 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 a draw. Yep. Yeah. I I don't know if it's brute of cockroaches level grind game, but I feel like it's got to be close. <laughs> and it like is that, pretty close. That is appealing. All right. Next up. How, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go. Ahead. No, I was just gonna. How 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 much of a potential Voltron sort of thing do you think this is going to? B or do you think it's just going to be a, a draw engine and then kind of like a, a looping recursion engine? Well, I was thinking about that too, and isn't it worded? Sorry, let me let me pull it back up. Isn't it worded to where like because we have effects that'll say you know it's a black instant or whatever, give target creature plus two plus O, and when it dies, bring it back to the battlefield. So wouldn't it oh. die? You get a creature back and you get that back. Yep. Now we're thinking with portals. see that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I think so. Yeah, to answer your question, Jules, I think it's a for me it would be like. Not 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 as much Voltron as it would just be like instant speed interaction. So I mm. I think that those cards absolutely have a place in this deck. All of your you know, feign death and your you yeah know, mm-hmm. un, undying malice. All of those things I think belong in this deck for, for sure. But I think that Bone Splitter also belongs in this deck. Okay. Because this guy flies. Nothing wrong with that. So like I don't oh, I don't know yeah. how yep. hard you want to go on the Voltron strategy and. I would definitely focus on things that have cheap equip costs because you're kind of hoping that this guy dies with some amount of frequency. Yeah. And you, you, you'll you'll want to move the equipment around and re-equip things. So like the, the bone splitter that equips for one is going to be a lot better than the copper carapace that equips for three. But right. I think that I think that there's definitely a, a solid home in this deck for, for some cheap, powerful equipment, for sure. It goes back again to that, that decision tree we were talking about, like... <laughs> Do you want to build it Voltron? Do you want to build it with some equipment? You, you know, so the set is shaping up to be pretty cool. Definitely. Heck yeah. All right. Next up, I've got one that I know for sure was mentioned on the House of Commons uh, show last night because it is, as the pals say, it is a juicer. So I won't spend <laughs> a lot of time talking about it, but it is my favorite card of the set. It is Hero of the Dunes. Yes. Let's the, go. Let's go, right? It is a five mana Orzov Commander, Human Soldier. It's a 3 2, when, which isn't great stats for five mana let's face it but when hero of the dunes enters the battlefield return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and it doesn't stop there it says creatures you control with mana value three or less get plus one plus oh like this card just doesn't stop this is amazing (laughs) i don't know how else to say it other than it's amazing i'm sure you guys i'm sure the house of commons went in very good depth on it on the competitive uh, aspect of it but I, I just absolutely love it it literally does everything i want an orzov commander to do it it affects combat it affects the graveyard it cares about little bitty artifacts and little bitty creatures and going wide and it just has a little bit of everything and it's you know if you squint look sideways the art is almost like alicia so yeah <laughs> there's that <laughs> where was this three weeks ago when we were recording the the graveyard episode. yeah yeah like the four by four sorry oh yeah the, yeah, yeah this, the four by this four. would 100 like, percent so, been that 
Sorry, Necro Panther. You just <laughs> You're got out. You just got dumpstered, bud. <laughs> yeah, hardcore dumpsters. Not even close. Rest in peace, Necro Panther. You'll be missed. Yep, I'm a huge fan of it. Obviously, I love it. So, what do you got to add, Jules? I don't want to spoil anything from from your show, but oh no, listen, I uh, yeah, I I gushed over this card uh, a ton. I uh, broke down all the little interactions that I could see happening, but uh, I agree with you. This is my personal favorite card in the set. Um, and I'm looking to brew with this in both CPDH and PDH. I'm, I'm definitely going to try and pick this deck up for sure. Excellent. Yeah, because I could see how it could be, you know, it, to me, it'll fit in any, just like we've been talking about, it'll fit in any Orzov sort of shell you want. It could be controly, it can be grindy, it could be semi-aggro if you wanted it to. So I, I just think the potential is is really high. And it lets you, because it cares about artifact and because it cares about you know, small mana value creatures and it cares about all creatures because it pumps their power. It gives you that avenue to really play with, with any of them that you want. You know, you don't have to, fo- well, now I got to focus on tokens or now I got to focus on mana value five or higher or whatever. Like it literally just opens up all the creatures in white and all the creatures in black and says, here you go. What do you want to put in here? Because I play nicely with all of them. Yeah. And exactly. I love it. I love it. You got anything to add on the hero, Dave? I, I'm just I'm thinking of black and white creatures that cost three or less, and I've already come up with uh, Inspiring Overseer and Crypt Rats and Phyrexian Rager and yep. Spirited <laughs> Companion. Like, yeah, Dust Legion, a Dust my, Legion Zealot. My oh. gal's got some gasoline. Yeah, just nonstop, and it's uh, in, in it's in white, so yeah. it's good flicker color. It's yeah. got it, it's in black, so it's got Feign Death and all those other ones, so it's gonna not have a problem coming back or entering the battlefield. Yeah, you can flicker her for days. Yep. So, That's very cool. It's black, like you can self-mill. Like, oh, just, it's got everything. It's beautiful. You're slowly but surely converting me into an Orzov stan. The more the more <laughs> I interface with you, I feel like I'm... Uh, <laughs> it, is, it's the, it is like the... the I don't know. It, it's the best to me. It's like the richest, the deepest, the fullest color pair. Yeah, it's a lot of fun for sure. So, but yeah, that's all I got. What do you got up next, Jules? Um, I want to talk about another mono black card. This is the Battlefield Butcher. Happens to be a soldier. Excellent uh, for name. Two and a two and a black. We've got a one four, uh, and then we have an activated ability of five and tap. Each opponent loses two life. But this is the year of our Lord twenty twenty two. So there's a mana reduction <laughs> ability. Uh, this is going to cost one generic less for each creature card in your graveyard. Oh, it's beautiful. In my personal opinion, I think black is the single richest color in the in the PDH format. Um, you could just you know, you could build mono black mid range slash control any number of ways. Mm-hmm. And um, for a, a control mage at heart like myself, this is uh, absolutely beautiful. We just get to play all the best black removal spells, all the edicts like flesh bag marauder, um, all sorts of tasty self mill and draw to lose to. And then with our you know our graveyard being filled up or just us having ground the entire table out of resources, we can slowly but surely activate battlefield butcher every turn and uh, just close the game out. So this is. Mono black control at its filthiest and most pure, but I love it. Yeah, I'm with you. When I first read this card, I was looking at it like, this is just a much worse loyal minion. Loyal minion is part of the loyal cycle. It's a three mana, three one that, you know, at the beginning of combat on your turn, if you control your commander, each opponent loses three. And then then I stared at this guy a little longer and I'm like, okay, you know, same mana cost. Uh, this this guy has an activated ability, which is a little more expensive than just a triggered ability that happens each turn. But he's got a four butt. Like that loyal guy <laughs> draws hate from everyone and dies to like a a pin. 
This this guy's gonna stick around. I think mm -hmm. I think building this guy as a control deck instead of loyal minion as like an aggro drain everyone all at once as fast as possible deck. I think that's the the right call. I think that's the maneuver. Yeah, I think so too. And look, it's another ability that power stones can pay for. Yeah, power true. stones and Very dead true. creatures. Yes, yes, exactly. power stones and bodies. Yeah, this is it's it's like it's like graveyard convoke really. You tap the tap yeah, the there you go. In your graveyard. Yeah. <laughs> The other thing that is needs to be um, a mechanic. The other thing is that the other kind of premier like mono black drain control commanders that we have in the format are like uh, Grey Merchant of Asphodel and Sir Conrad. And I can tell you that if you roll up to the table with either of those, you are immediately going to be targeted. Uh, but this, I think, is going to play. Uh, it's going to be much more inconspicuous in terms of what you're actually doing until it's too late. I agree. It is very sneaky, and it's one of those that you don't you don't have to have it on the battlefield until you're ready for it. Like you can do whatever else your deck wants to do until you're ready to start start draining a little bit. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I like it. What do we got next? What do you got next, Dave? You got any extra ones for us? No, I'm out. I only wanted to talk about those two. Okay. I got two more. One of them is I got about as much to say about it as I did Battery Bear. And that is Third Path Iconoc Iconoclast. It's just... Um, is it mana for a 2-1 human monk? Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you create a 1-1 one, one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Card seems great. Spell slingers, uh, affinity strategies, metalcraft strategies, that sort of thing. I don't play a lot of is it, even though I did play a Chimera deck last night. I don't tend to play a lot of is it in PDH generally, but this one, this one seems good. I don't know if it's quite on the level of, say, you know, Crackling Drake or anything like that, but... It seems really good if you want to go fast and you want to go wide and you care about artifacts. I definitely thought that that one deserved a mention. What do you think, Jules? I think this just, it just hits like every single checkbox that you could possibly want, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I will I will attempt to hyperbolize here. And my favorite card in the set is Hero of the Dunes, but I think probably the best card in the set is Third Path of Conquest. Ooh, okay. What's, I don't know. Maybe, what's, maybe Dave what's will attempt to, attempt to refute. No. Uh, well, so like you said, it, we're in we're in blue red. Crackling Drake is, uh, I think, kind of like the gold standard uh, presently for for blue red. But um, this just does so much. It it uh, wants you to spell sling. You're already playing just all sorts of great blue and red spells. Um, being able to go wide uh, is really nice, especially since red has a ton of spells that can give you know plus two plus zero, and all of a sudden you're in a swarming strategy. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're artifacts is not uh, you know, it's consequential uh like you said there's anything that has affinity like thought cast there's metal craft there's two of my favorite cards in the format are reckless fireweaver and ingenious artillerist <laughs> which yep. now all of a sudden every time you cast a spell that's just an additional one mana that you're you're pinging so um, yeah yeah yep. and they're yeah they're artifact creatures so impact tremors and you know reckless fireweaver <laughs> you're getting yes. for two yeah so <laughs> exactly yeah, gross. Yep. Again, there's a lot of potential here. I think it's really cool. I'll, I'll probably brew up something. I'm not great at brewing. Is it spell slinging decks? But I definitely want to give it a shot. So that so I'm I'm not going to say that I'm good at it, but I just some some tips that I've picked up. You just put in all the cantrips, okay, and like a couple bounce spells, and then as many lightning bolts as you can stomach, and just <laughs> run with it. I like that strategy. The the thing that I want to add, especially if we're talking about how how to put the deck together and what it should look like, is that in terms of Static ability, this guy functions almost exactly like Sahili, the uncommon planeswalker, who also mm -hmm. has the text, when you cast a non-creature spell, you get to create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. So it's not a soldier, but it's similar-ish. 
My boyfriend, Blake, has been tinkering around with a Sahili list for a, over a year now. And uh, he's one of the most talented deck brewers and, and constructors and ideas people that I've ever met in my life. And he he's genuinely kind of stumped by this. Because th there are three, at, at least three, there are three really powerful directions you could take this deck. And there's not mm -hmm. a ton of overlap. Like, you could go hard into artifacts and just play a lot of rocks and get bodies for them, and then you can yep. utilize these these affinity strategies, these artifact strategies. You can go with your, your uh, Reckless Fireweavers and your Ingenious Artillerists. You could go go wide tokens, and you could play all of your Trumpet Blasts and your Pack Attacks. Burn Brights and all, and your, all that stuff. Burn Brights, yes, that one. Or you could, uh, you could also just go Burn. And, yeah, and just straight just up. Pretend that this guy is a young pyromancer with some preordains and serum visions tossed in there as well. And right. like we, I, I have no idea what's best, and neither does Blake. And Blake has been tinkering with this deck for you know the Sahili version. He's been tinkering with it for a year, and like we, it, it's got it's got us both completely stumped. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's an achievement. And yeah, this guy is going to do the exact same thing, and people are going to show up with completely different builds of third past iconoclasts, and they probably only have serum visions and lightning bolt in common and aside from that right. they're just the other 98 cards are completely separate and like you're going to be like wow i i don't know what to expect from this card because it's good no matter what you do <laughs> like see in your your little explanation right there i think is a good example of once again we have a commander that has two to four different deck building strategies just baked within it you know it's yeah. not telling you what to do it's just telling you what it does and you got to figure out the rest so i think that's pretty awesome yeah all right, Jules, what do you got? I think I only have, I have two more-ish left that I want to mention, but one sure. that I, only one more that I want to uh, like really get into, and that yeah. is the recruitment officer. So this is going to be a single white for a 2-1 human soldier, and then uh, they're going to have an activated ability of three and a white. Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put it into your hand, and you put the rest on the bottom of your library in a, in a random order. Mm -hmm. I want, I, I, I'm seeing this this three or less sort of thing over like the last like you know few cards we talked about i'm wondering what that uh what prompted that right one i've always been a fan of mono white uh back in the old and olden days when i first started playing i i was the guy with the mono white angels deck mm -hmm. um you know i pacifism i had you know every every printing of it um step, so step i like that Sarah mono Angel. white step two armageddon <laughs> Game Done. Over. Well, so over. <laughs> I mean, not to, not legal in our format, but Wrath of God is you know probably top five cards of all time for me. Sure, but uh, you know, yeah, I I've, I appreciate the lengths that Wizards has been going to recently to kind of prop mono white up across uh, all formats really. And now that we're getting things that actually say draw a card on them in mono white, I think this though is card draw that you or card advantage that you really can't refute. Uh, the fact that this only costs one, the fact that it doesn't tap for this ability, um, the fact yeah. that we're looking at the top four cards. That's huge. You know, in in the context of a 100-card deck, four is not that much, but, you know, activate this a few times, you've dug, and you're, you're playing mono-white, so you're going to be playing a ton of value creatures anyway, mm -hmm. uh, and just being able to kind of potentially go past three lands that you don't need or anything. I think this is going to be a great sort of mono-white toolbox deck, and obviously you can play all the other uh, mono white cards that are you know nice staples or fit your fancy or whatever yeah i think this is a, a huge step in the right direction for any sort of mono white strategy in pdh yeah exactly the you brought it up but the fact that you can just it's repeatable like it doesn't tap 
So whatever mana you want to spend on it, you can just keep doing it and doing it. Kind of like Vivian's Grizzly in green, which I think that was a little bit better, but it's it's that effect mm. in white, and I think it's I think it's amazing. I hadn't I, yeah. honestly, I had not really looked at this one during spoiler season or anything. So I'm glad to hear it from you. That's good. I like it. I I like this guy. the The first mono white deck I ever built was um, Ramosian Captain, which mm-hmm. is almost it's very similar. It's a cheap little white weenie that gives you a mana sink that will put other creatures it gives you massive card advantage mana sink basically that just produces creatures constantly so yep. uh i i'm definitely into this as a strategy i love it i'm excited to see what people come up with for this guy and its activation is a single white pip and then colorless mana so it's not hard that you know that hard to do with some sissy's rings or whatever kind of rocks you want to get out there mm-hmm Yep, I like yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, I only had one left as well, and it's Golgari, so I felt obligated to at least talk about it a little bit. And it's a spider. I love me some spider commanders. And that is Skyfisher Spider. For two, a black and a green, it's a 3-3 spider with reach, of course. And when it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. It's perfectly Golgari actions right there. When you do, destroy target non-land permanent. Not creature with mana value two or less or not creature that's dealt dam- been dealt damage this turn no it's just destroy anything that's not a land and then it has some other text when it dies you gain one life for each creature in your graveyard if you do exile the spider from your graveyard i'm not really worried about that it's that first paragraph of rules text that i just am instantly fascinated by because it's just constantly blowing stuff up this fits right into this one may not have as many like decision trees coming off of it as we've talked about already but you know, fits right into an aristocrat shell with all those uh, feign death type spells we talked about before. You know, return to action, that sort of thing. Of course, I like it because it's not going to win you a bunch of games, but it's going to be fun. It's going to wreck. It's going to wreck the table. You're gonna you're gonna cause a little chaos, a little bit of havoc, and it's going to be real fun. So I like it a lot. I'll probably play with it a few times and go from there. Do you like the spider, Dave? I love the spider almost exclusively because of the way its third ability is templated. It would have been really easy for wizards to template this. When the, when the spider dies, you may exile it from your graveyard. When you do, gain one life for each card in your graveyard. Mm-hmm. Like it would have been it would have been easy for them to do that. But because sure. they say you may choose to gain life and if you do exile it, exiling it is not a precondition of gaining the life, which means right. if you target this thing with your undying malice or your feign death or your fake your own death whatever all we have like 12 of these cards now Uh that you can stack these triggers so that the spider comes back into play and you get to nuke any non-land permanent you want again and then Mm -hmm. you can gain one life for each card in your graveyard and that this exile the spider thing does nothing at that point because it's not in your graveyard you just blew my mind yeah like they templated never, this never in a million years would i have caught up to that like, they templated <laughs> this so that undying effects work with the spider exactly how you want them to and that is ugh, choice spicy that is amazing okay so yeah. i like it way better than i thought i did <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> thank you for that it's beautiful yeah. what do you yeah, think well, that wraps up yeah jules what do you got i agree with everything that's been said um i love essentially non-conditional removal and uh, you know also we get the privilege of sacrificing a creature here as well so this is is kind of the full package for me yeah Yeah. you know and i know it's in green already which already has like artifact and enchantment removal but it'll get rid of anything you know oblivion rings oubliettes all that stuff whatever's troubling you 
Yeah. In a deck that's already full of every single feign death, fake your own death, undying malice, like in a deck that already runs every single one of those in print, the privilege of sacrificing another creature is exactly the right way to phrase that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yep. I'll, yeah, I'll absolutely. sacrifice Gary. Gary yeah. Gary also had Undying Malice? That's crazy. Gary comes back. <laughs> like, Come on, Gary. How, how did Come that on. happen? I'll destroy yeah. your thing. It's weird how that why, happens. Why did they ever, ever print that card? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hmm. oh, lovely, when, when we get Gavin on the show, I'll ask him for you. Yeah, Gavin. Right, up. Please, please do. Yeah, he's, he's, on our, he's on our short list. That wraps up my commander's. I think we can move on to the common rarity cards. What do you think, Dave? You want to start us off since you were, you're waiting for us, kindly waiting for us to wrap up our commander talk. Do, do we want to hear about uh, Disciples of Gix? Oh my God. I thought that was, I thought we you know, going. so I, I, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, yes, I'll leave this one to the listeners. I want them to sound off in, on Twitter and in the comments and all that stuff. What can we do with Disciple of Gix, which is going to be a, a six mana mono black card that when it ETBs, we just search for three artifact cards and we, Put them into our graveyard. What does what does Triple Entomb do for us? I'm sure there's some crazy things that we can get up to, but right now I'm stumped. So I want I want everyone to let us know. That is a good one because I, I don't have anything for this either. And I've thought about it on and off since it was foiled. I have a couple of ideas, but none of them are very good. So I'm going to keep them to myself, and I'm going to wait <laughs> for Twitter to to tell me good ideas. Yes, Twitters and Reddit's and Discords. Yep. Of course, of course. Absolutely. Sounds good. Well, I didn't mean to skip your last one, but I think we can move on to the commons now. Yes. Yeah. Let's let's. Let's do it. The meat and taters. The first comment I want to talk about is a really excellent segue from the privilege of getting to sacrifice a creature, and that is Gixian Infiltrator. Gixian Infiltrator is a 2-mana, two 2-1 two Phyrexian human in black. Mm-hmm. It says, whenever you sacrifice another permanent, put a plus 1, plus 1 counter on Gixian Infiltrator. And... The, the only thing that I really want to say about this card is to give you a friendly PSA reminder that treasures are permanents, and so is food, yes. blood, and clues. So is Flashback Marauder. Flashback Marauder, also a permanent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, and in it's terms just of... whenever you sacrifice. It's not, you, you know, you don't have to sacrifice it to the Gixian Infiltrator. It's just a Bloodbriar in black. Yeah. Like, yeah. Flashback is also a permanent for sure, but, like, to that end, we've are like we've had Mortician Beetle at Common for years now, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like Mortician Beetle, absolutely a powerhouse with a flashback. You have a Mortician Beetle in play, you resolve a flashback, your Beetle is now five five minimum. Yeah, <laughs> like that's gross. But like the the thing that and 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 I mean, yeah, I I put Mortician Beetle in a lot of my decks that want to sacrifice creatures, but like I have yeah. a I have a lot of Rakdos decks that want to sacrifice other things, mm-hmm. like. Uh, Ryan. Ryan has this Mayhem Devil deck that he calls Blood Money mm-hmm. because it's all about blood and treasures. And like he wants to sacrifice Beautiful. those constantly. And having this little two mana idiot that's just become gonna become like an eight seven casually, like for free. And like you're not even mad when they kill it. Like you've invested nothing into this idiot. He's just a two mana body for you. Like if he if he eats a murder, like fine. Like, okay. Like, right. You still, <laughs> no, go for it. Sure. Like, I, I didn't really care about him anyway. Like, if he stays in play, he's going to end games. If he eats the removal spell, like, you're out two mana in a card, but, like, whatever. Like, you were still going to use those treasures. You were still going to use those bloods and those clues and everything else. So, like, it's it's just free money. Like, this guy's massive. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Yeah. I he's, love I was a huge fan of Bloodbriar, so I, I will definitely be a huge fan of the Infiltrator. Yeah. Like I, 
I have a jury deck built, which is, it has that same line of text. And mm-hmm. jury routinely gets enormous. Like, sure, I've seen him sure. hit 30-30 in a game before. <laughs> like, nice. He, he just goes hard. I have a very important question about your jury deck. Yeah. Is the name of it Judge, Jury, and Executioner? The name of it is uh, The Murder Clown Wants Volunteers. <laughs> because oh, Alex, that That's also a viable answer. That is, that is also a viable answer, yes. I, I named it that because I, I, I used, my first draft of it used every threat and effect in print. Oh, I know okay. that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just <laughs> like, my... I, I I first built Jury when I already had a Mayhem Devil deck built, and I wanted to distinguish the two so they weren't just like the exact same deck with different commanders. And so I was like, okay, Mayhem Devil is for my little baubles, my panic spell bombs and my Wayfarer's baubles and my like Rakdos lockets. And Jury is going to be when I sacrifice everyone else's creatures because he's a circus clown. Right. <laughs> he's gonna, <laughs> right. He's just yeah so uh that i've I've since taken the mayhem devil deck apart i've i've shifted the the focus of jury a little bit but i never changed the name still still about volunteers yep i like your name though if i ever if i ever redesign it (laughs) judge jury and executioner (laughs) it's good it's very high quality that's a good one who's next i'll take next i got one here it is white but i think we got a whole cycle of these mine my first one up is airlift chaplain a human cleric for two and a white it's a one one human cleric so not great three mana for a one one but it's flying which is great and then it's a mono white creature that cares about milling cards when it enters the battlefield you mill three cards then you may put a planes card or a creature card with mana value three or less from among them from among the cards milled this way into your hand if you don't put a plus one plus one counter on airlift chaplain it's a lot of words it's a lot of text. Like I said, I think we got a whole five color cycle of these. I'm very intrigued. I was probably still on the hero of the dunes high when I saw this one, but it's very intriguing to me that we got a minor white creature that mills. And I'm very, I'm very interested in just cramming a deck full of creatures, milling a bunch and then bringing them back as soon as hero of the dunes hits the, um, hits the battlefield. So I, I don't know where else this chaplain would play nicely, but it's definitely going to play nicely in my hero of the dunes deck. So for that reason alone, it's it's one of my favorites. What do you think, Jules? I uh, I think the underrated part of this card is that this just is going to help you hit your land drops. Um, mm-hmm. You sure. know, because you you can get either a creature card or a planes card. Um, or yeah, I a like, two two flyer. Like, or a two two flyer. Or yeah, for also three. Yep. you can elect to not uh, put a card if you just need a larger flyer. And uh, maybe you want those cards in your graveyard. So let's see. There's those three decisions again. Do you want a flyer? Do you want a creature? Do you want a planes? Like. Right, Julian was saying you can choose not to put one. Like if you just whiff, like if your three yeah. cards are all like removal instants and you can't choose them, you just get a counter on it. It's like a good consolation prize. I like that. Yeah, it's yeah. Good fair card case design. is a two-two flyer. So yeah, for sure. Yep, I'm a fan. What do you got, Force Jules? I think your card actually synergizes quite well with the the card that I want to talk about, which is a recommission. Also a white card, one and a white, a sorcery. We're going to return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from our graveyard to the battlefield. And if a creature enters the battlefield this way, it gets an additional plus one, plus one counter. So yeah, if we're doing some mono-white milling, this is going to be great. Any form of recursion is something that I'm always going to keep an eye on. Uh, even though this is only you know three or less, uh, this still hits a ton of great stuff. All of the mono-white blink targets that you might want, uh, all the ones that draw cards, even something like uh, Airlift Chaplain. 
since this can hit artifacts as well, uh, there's a bunch of great targets for that. I'm thinking um, the Wellsprings, uh, Mycosynth, and Iker. Wayfarer's Bobble is a mm-hmm. great target. Uh, maybe a Relic of Progenitus as well. So I really just like the uh, the versatility of this. And coming straight to the battlefield is is huge. huge. For yeah. Yeah, especially it's if it's a be... creature. Like, is this almost better on Earth? Uh, granted, um, granted, on Earth is a single black and it does cycle. On Earth cycles, which is... this hits an artifact or a creature... The, the so thing bad. the thing for me that's really important about unearthed cycling is that relic of progenitus is a thing in the format so sometimes sometimes you don't have a graveyard and recommission is a Good dead point. card that's true yeah sometimes um, i guess this could be just a dead card yeah i didn't think about it like that yeah it's and Good point. also i want to mention it's it's going to be pretty hard to recommission a relic because relic exiles itself you are correct oh yeah i learned that, that. Was a test and you passed I learned that when I built my Mayhem Devil deck, and I was like, oh, Relic is a slam dunk in here, but it doesn't trigger Mayhem Devil. Well, if you tapped it to get rid of one card and the other player destroyed it, then you can get it back. There you go. Yes. We got there. You know what? Tormod's Crypt. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) You can get back your... Well, can you? Yes. Yes, you can. You can definitely get back your Tormod's Crypt. Yeah, for sure. Perfect. Yeah, no, I I love Recommission. It's a fantastic card. Uh, it, It ended up in... You know, I mentioned at the beginning I was going through and like adding the good cards to the, the sideboards of all my online lists. It ended up in a mm-hmm. lot more sideboards than I expected it was going to. So yeah, that that's kind of how I feel about it too. I'll probably end up with more copies of it than I initially thought I would. Yeah. All right, Dave. What, what do you got next? Up next, I would like to talk about Stern Lesson. Ooh, sounds harsh. Okay. Stern Lesson is a three mana blue instant. It says, draw two cards, then discard a card. So okay. far, this is catalog. Mm-hmm. Then you create a Power Stone token. Ooh. Uh, I, we, we talked about Battery Bearer, but have we explicitly talked about Power Stone tokens? They're kind of a thing in this set. We, have, we haven't gone into depth on them or anything. We've sort of mentioned them, sort of told what they did. but Okay. So Power Stone tokens are little mana rocks they tap to add a colorless mana to your pool and they have that that the same mana restriction as battery bearer where you mm-hmm. cannot spend the mana to cast a non-artifact spell right which means that's you, the important words there yes you can spend the mana to activate any ability you want artifact or otherwise and you can spend it to cast artifacts i think that any blue deck that has a commander with an activated ability that costs mana wants this card. Sure. And I think that that is an enormous quantity of decks. Like that's, that's the other thing I like. I, you know, I was going through putting the decks, putting these cards into sideboards and I was like, man, recommission is ending up in a lot more than I thought it would. The power stones did the same thing with me. Like I had to, I had to sort of stop halfway through and be like, wait, are power stones actually phenomenal? Like, are these cards really, really cool secretly? Like, I think yeah, that they're going to so. be, yeah. Like I, when I first read them, I was like, oh, that's fine. Like, whatever. I'm not super interested in that. But like this, this spell is already on rate for a catalog and it's instant speed. Mm-hmm. And then it gives you a rock. Like, right. that seems good. <laughs> like, I think it's just going to be really interesting. Yeah. I was talking to somebody and they basically said the same thing. We were talking about power stones or just the new set or something. And they were like, well, Power Stone's just the set mechanic, and it's like treasures. I'm like, no, it is not like treasures <laughs> no. at all. Like <laughs> treasures, they, you get a one-time use. Granted, you can pick your color, but Power Stones don't go anywhere. They add to all your synergies. Right. 
like tre- treasures are lotus petals, which only some yeah. want. Like power stones are mind stones, which a yep. lot more decks want. Well, you, you can't sacrifice them for a card. Are they? Stone. Blood? Yeah, they're generic mana rock. Yeah, yeah, it's very mm, good. Excellent. All right, next one I want to talk about here. I'm I'm just more excited about it than I am. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be super big for our format or even 60-card popper, but we finally got a Juggernaut, or Juggernaut I'm happy with. It's a 5-mana Mishra's Juggernaut. It's a 5-3 with Trample. It attacks each combat if able, and the notable text on it is it has Unearth for 5, colorless, and a red. You return it from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains haste, exile it at the beginning of the next instep, or if it would leave the battlefield, Unearth only as a sorcery. So I'm just excited we got a big colorless juggernaut beater, finally. Yeah. That's all I got. It'll be fun to play with. For sure. I, I think the biggest thing that I like about this is that it has Unearth. I mean, we mentioned yeah. it earlier, but Unearth is a is a very cool mechanic, and we see it on a lot of cards in this set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I was really we... excited when I saw this card because I, I, I loved finally having something with Unearth in red. Mm-hmm. Because red historically has very very few unearth cards but then i when i was going through my decks i ended up not putting this into very many because like i i guess because unearth is such an underutilized mechanic in red overwhelmingly my red decks don't utilize unearth <laughs> so right like and, i couldn't especially I couldn't for find six a good mana. homes for it yeah, yeah. six is a lot mm-hmm. for an unearth for a creature you only get to use once but yeah. i mean five is a lot for an attack so like it's i mean <laughs> it's kind of like a lava axe from your graveyard Without spending a card, so that's yeah, nice. That's true. Good point. Yeah. All right, Jules, what do you got for us? Well, I'm pretty pretty hot on an Earth as well. I think I'm going to talk about. I'm going to cheat if you don't mind and do a little uh, pseudo cycle here. Never mind at all. <laughs> These are the uh, the the scrap work creatures, I suppose. There's the cohort, the uh, the rager, and the mutt. A uh, cohort and rager are both four mana. Mutt is two mana. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are all artifact creatures, and they all have some ETB, and then they have unearth for various amounts. The cohort's going to give us a one-one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Unearth for two and a white. Uh, the rager is going to draw us a card, lose a life. Unearth for three and a black. And then the mutt is going to allow us to discard a card, and if we do draw a card, and that unearths for one and a red. Um, I think all of these abilities are just great. ETBs and the fact that we just uh, get a rebate on them uh, in at minimum uh, is a great pickup for any deck that can play these Mardu colors. Uh, I was informed by Dave that there's technically like a blue one as well, uh, which is mm-hmm. the uh, where is it? Uh, the Combat Courier, which is one mana one one. Uh, you can pay two to sacrifice it, draw, draw a card, so it's basically a clue. And then that one, and there's for a single blue, which I think is also a, a great pickup as well. Yeah, I just noticed that all these, including the Combat Courier, they unearth for the same amount of mana as their mana value, except for the white one. It's actually one cheaper to unearth it than it is to cast it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But that's all I got. I like them. Other than that, I think they're really cool. I think they got some synergies. They're pretty um, utilitarian. Like, you'll get your use out of them. They're going to play... I think they're gonna actually going to play a little a little stronger than they appear. Like if you're just to look at them, you're like, okay, let's set mechanic unearth. These are going to be great and limited. Every deck's going to want them. They're easy to cast, whatever, whatever. But I think they'll show up in some PDH decks just for that utility aspect of them. They're cheap, the decent ETBs. You can sacrifice them to your deadly disputes or what have you, or you know, reckless abandon, that sort of thing. Get them back and do it all over again. So I'm a big fan. Yeah, for sure. I, I think Enough I might actually flashy. like them a little more than I should, but I think they're pretty good. 
I'll join. I'll join you there. Nothing flashy, but uh, yeah, definitely going to jam them in some decks. Yep, just good old magic. I, I think, am Dave of these. I am especially enamored of the scrapwork cohort. Um, the the three one that gives you a the the, the white the white one three one mm-hmm. a soldier creature token when it ETBs. That's the one I think is far and away the best of them because maybe not best maybe the one i'm most interested because it's the white one white doesn't have unearth really uh blue barely does and it's bad um (laughs) but now now we have a white one and that that's going to change a couple things uh i very recently built a deck with amber and veteran soldier that just wants to discard its entire hand every single turn Mm -hmm. and being able to play this from the graveyard to create even more bodies is colossal. I think this is going to be uh, a massive card in that deck, and I'm excited to, to try it out. The other thing I'm really excited to do with this is to put it into Mist Meadow Witch. Okay. Because mm-hmm. if you if you flicker something that has been unearthed, mm-hmm. it comes back un unearthed. Just earth. Yeah, earthed. it's a new instance of the creature. <laughs> yeah. Like so, you can you can unearth it from your graveyard, get your token, get your attack, flicker it with Mist Meta Witch, or with like Soul Herder, or you know if you're playing right. the whatever OG the Exquisite Blade, like whatever blue white flicker deck you're playing, you can flicker this thing after it has been unearthed to get a, a second soldier and to keep the original until it mm-hmm. dies again and gets sent to your graveyard from which you can unearth it again <laughs> and then flicker it again. Like mm-hmm. th- as long as you have the mana, like this thing will never stop being a problem for your opponents that just generate soldiers constantly. Yeah, and like, for sure. The other things like in Olka, there's, there, there's plenty of white creatures that, that make a creature on ETB with them. And like, that's, that's not a problem. Like can always kill those things. Like if, if you're playing against Olka and those things become a problem, that you just wait for someone to target it with a flicker and then you go lightning bolt in response, doom blade in response, and it stops right. being a problem. It goes away forever. This thing never goes away. Like yeah. can't lightning bolt this. You're just gonna <laughs> like okay, I'll put it in my graveyard. <laughs> and get it back. Right? Like Yeah. I I'm I'm really excited about that from the white one. Yeah. Black one I think is gonna I, I have a I have a, a deck that's very focused on Unearth that's black. The, the black one's going to see some play in that deck. Uh, the red one is going to see play in a handful of my decks that are really, really into looting. Uh, but I'm most excited about the white one. I think the white one is the most groundbreaking of these. Yeah, I like it. I really like too. that too. It's got higher power than the others, cheaper Unearth, all that good stuff. Heck yeah. Dave, you want to oh, give us another one? We're back to me. Yeah, I know how to count. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about... Penragon Strongbull. Ooh, what a name. That is right? quite the name. I love it. It's like a strong man, but it's a bull instead. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. This is a, a three mana, two, three red minotaur with the ability one, sacrifice an artifact. It gets plus one, plus one until end of turn, and it deals one damage to each opponent. Yeah. Hmm. This is vaguely makeshift munitions ish. On a body. On a body. And makeshift munitions gives you a lot more flexibility than this thing does. Makeshift sure. munitions doesn't die to a lightning bolt, which is pretty key. It yeah. lets you sacrifice artifacts or creatures, and it deals that one damage anywhere you want. But so like I, I still think makeshift munitions is the better card, far and away. But the strong bull, like there are times, there are some of my decks run makeshift munitions 
pretty much exclusively so that I can sacrifice artifacts and send that damage to someone's face. Mm -hmm. And Mm. if that is my goal, this strong bull is three times better (laughs) (laughs) because it goes to everyone's face. Yeah. This guy's going to be a powerhouse in very specific decks like Jury, like Heiko. Might see some play in Kalein. It's going to be making a lot of treasures. Put a tandem lookout on it and you're going to town. Oh, gross. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can do that. Now you're speaking my language. Yep. Put a snake umbra. Oh, snake umbra. and all that stuff. Now I'm, now I'm wondering if you make this guy into a pirate. Does he just go infinite with Malcolm? Oh, my God. No, uh, the, the the treasure you you sacrifice the treasure for the mana. You can't also sacrifice. No, he does. Something's you, happening here. Yeah, you get you get three treasures, and you can sacrifice one of them for the mana and one of them to activate yeah. his, to pay the cost. So, to you'll still have one left over. So yeah, you'll have infinite damage, infinite damage, and infinite treasures. It's it's not quite infinite. It ends when all three players are dead. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it's only yeah, thirty you're, mana. You're... <laughs> it doesn't keep going. But yeah, yeah, you don't make uh, infinite and then kill him. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah. If you can turn this guy into a pirate, he uh, Malcolm. Which, there's like one yeah. mana spells in blue that'll do that, and there's yep. a spell in uh, red in Modern Horizons that'll do that. I I hadn't considered that angle at all until Holy you said crap. tandem lookout. But now. Mm, yeah, Pentagon Strongbow. Put him That's in a... it. <laughs> Best card in the set. <laughs> Put him in a Malcolm deck. Make him a pirate. <laughs> Holy crap! Yep, That's... I love that. That's cute. That is cute. Well, we broke it. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> it's just that easy. Yep, just that easy. All right, what else you got for the Minotaur? Oh no, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that wraps I'm, up your Minotaur talk. I'm I'm right. done talking about the cow. All right, well I got two Mishras in a row, so my next one is going to be Mishras Onslaught. I am a big fan of this instant. It is three in a red. And you get to choose one. You create two colorless or two one one colorless soldier artifact creature tokens or creatures you control get plus two plus oh until the end of turn. Granted, it's semi-modal, but it's clean and simple. You get two artifact creature tokens or pump your whole board. That's it. I like it. I like combat tricks. It's an instant. So literally it can be a combat trick, whether you need blockers, whether you're on the offensive, all that good stuff. So I'm a fan. I like it. And there's plenty of... We have plenty of strategies that will pay, that you'll get paid off for just casting spells in general. You could put this in your Iconoclast deck and make more creatures as you pump your whole board, that sort of thing. So plays into a lot of different strategies, tokens, artifacts, go wide, aggro, whatever you want. And and I'm a fan of it. I was always a fan of like Dyna Charge and Burn Bright and all those other ones. So it just stands to reason that I like this one too. Pretty straightforward. You like it, Jules? What do you think of the Onslaught? I, I like it. I, I agree. I think modality is something that is, if you want to get my attention, you just make a card modal. Right. And now all of a sudden, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I think, like you said, this it functions on the front half of the game, on the back half of the game, right? When you need to just build your board up or you just need to swing in. And something that I've been coming around to a lot recently are just these kind of generic, you know, everything at plus two plus oh or plus two plus one or Mm-hmm. you know plus two plus two or whatever just these kind of uh swarming style effects i feel like they're a lot more potent than i ri- originally gave them credit for yeah they can be they can really swing a game what do you think dave do you want to make some tokens or do you want to pump your whole board i'm really torn on this card because i want to do both of those things but i want them to be cheaper yeah the four like, mana makes me feel like i the, should be able to do both but <laughs> right like the the going rate for two one one bodies in red is two mana 
That's your Krenko's command. That's your Dragon uh-huh, Father. That's right. your Mog War Marshal. That's all. Of, it should be two bodies is two mana in red. Yep. And the going rate for a, a plus two plus zero combat trick buff is three. That's your Trumpet Blast. That's your Ambitious Assault. That's your mm-hmm. Pack Attack. Pack Attack is, I think, even better for, than that. Pack Attack is I three so mana too. for potentially plus three power and draw card. Right. I, I probably shouldn't be making that comparison. And like, <laughs> I have a lot of red decks that want to make a lot of tokens and then they want to buff them. I just don't know if I want four mana for the modality on it. Like That's I feel a lot. like That's a lot. I'm, I was looking at putting this into my League Guild Mage deck, which uses spells to make tokens, mm-hmm. and it uses spells to buff those tokens. And I'm, I'm looking at casting this and then copying it would be nine mana. And like, do, do I want to replace a Trumpet Blast with this? I don't think so. I don't yeah, think it's, it's that good. It's a, it's a tough call. I, I need to... I need to play around with it. I need to. I need to do some experiments. I need to yeah. see whether or not the modality is worth the 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 mana price tag that it comes attached to it. I yeah, love if, the idea of it. If this was a sorcery instead of an instant, it would even be in the show. I think if it was a sorcery, it would cost three mana, and then I would windmill windmill slam it into these decks because huh. I I don't care about surprise tokens and I don't care about okay. surprise trumpet blasts. I, that makes sense. I just want it to be cheaper. <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this card is a That's three fair. mana sorcery. I would be super enthusiastic about, but as a four mana instant, I'm very like lukewarm on it. Yep, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair enough. Next up, what do you have for us? I uh, oh sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say I think uh, I think Brad's pick and in, in my pick here, which is uh, a third Mishra in a row, um, and also <laughs> all about the modality. I think they kind of fall into a similar sort of trap where they're not anything that like when you look at them, you're not your eyes aren't gonna pop out of your head, right? But I I'd, I'd like to believe that. 90% of cards deserve and can find a home. And I think these are just cards that should be brought up just in case people do want to include yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. It's a good way to put it. Yeah. So mine is a Mishra's Domination. It's one in red for an enchantment aura. You enchant a creature. As long as you control the enchanted creature, it gets plus two, plus two. Otherwise, it can't block. Um. So like I said, modality is huge. Uh, on this one, obviously, we can just buff a creature up, whether we just need to win combat against whoever's playing the mono green deck. Uh, it's going to trigger prowess and prowess adjacent effects mm-hmm. like like the iconoclast but i think that the like the underrated version of this is that you can just put this on a creature and they can't block so whether that's a death toucher that you just can't remove um whether that's a, a seven seven that you yeah. can't attack past <laughs> a crusher um, or maybe yes yeah exactly or you know kind of i guess magical christmas land you know, someone has one blocker or just enough blockers. If you can put this on something and then swing in for lethal, uh, you know, obviously worth it. Yeah. If, if you've got a menace creature and they have two blockers, well, you put this on one and now they have no blockers. Yeah. Especially if you have anything that uh, triggers on dealing combat damage. Mm-hmm. So I think the, the uses for this are a lot more than people might initially think. They're just all minor quality of life improvements as to yeah, something that's exactly. going to be a yep. game warping. Dave, can I convince you on this one, or are we uh, a little skeptical? <laughs> no, I really like this card. Like, I don't think it's going to make it into a ton of decks, but I, I do think it has a home in, in some, and I think it's very interesting. Yeah. I think that Magic has been toying with this idea of like very modal enchantments, like good for you, bad for someone else, for a long time with cards like Bonds of Faith. And like there's, mm-hmm. there's one I was just trying to look up. I think the first time they did it was Alliances. There's a black... Or, uh, well, there's like immolation too that gives plus two, minus two. Phyrexian boon. That's what it's called. 
So like bonds of faith will either give the buff or give the debuff based on whether or not the creature is a human. And Phyrexian boon will either give the buff or the debuff depending on whether the creature is black. I right. I love that Wizards has sort of like gone one step in the simpler direction and just been like, if it's yours, if it's not yours, <laughs> like you don't have to worry about like, <laughs> right. I have to play with a bunch of humans now or like, what if my opponent is playing black then I can't use this for removal? Like, no, no, no. Yeah. It's just, is it yours? Is it someone else's? Like, I think that's the cleanest way to do these transitions on these like buff or debuff auras. And I, I like them as cards. I think they're super cool. I like this one, especially I like sluggishness. Yeah. I like, Maniacal Rage. This is both of those in one card. I I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat design space for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. What do you got for us, Dave? Uh, yeah, let me find out. I was switching tabs. I was over on Scryfall, so I could try to find Phyrexian Boon. <laughs> Going deep. Uh, yeah, let's move. I've I've done black, blue, red. Let's move on to green. I want okay. to out a card called Wasteful Harvest. Wasteful Harvest is a three-mana green instant that says mill five cards. You may put a permanent card from among them into your hand, mm-hmm. which I, I'm i excited. I love self-mill decks. I love and these five cards. Five is a lot, too. Five is not a small number. Instant mm-hmm. speed is not irrelevant here. Mm-hmm. And it's just any permanent card which I think just dumpsters all of the rest of these. All of these, the other ones say like, you know, it has to be a creature or it has to be a mm-hmm. land. Some of them will be like, we'll give you some options. It can be a creature or a land. Right. But like, <laughs> you're always going to mill Pestilence and you're never yep. going to get Pestilence back. And that always <laughs> feels bad. Like, this thing is like, I want you to have a Pestilence. And like, that's perfect. I'll help you find it. Because mm-hmm. I, I want to have Pestilence, and this thing wants me to have Pestilence, and it's just like all the pieces are coming together. It does. It's basically what the flavor text says. I want yeah. Dave to have Pestilence. Basically, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think this is just like a better Grizzly Salvage that's less color restricted. Well, that's and a good I, one, yep. Mm-hmm. I've always loved Grizzly Salvage, so I'm I'm into this as well. Nice. I'm with you. I echo i could parrot everything you said because i'm I'm all about it that five five is a lot instant speed is great and like you said a lot of the problems with these self mill cards is it's like you said it's get target creature back or whatever it's not no just get anything back that stays on the battlefield Mm -hmm. go go for it (laughs) at instant speed that's fine so i'm a big fan are you big miller jewels I, I 100% agree with everything that's said uh we've been talking about modality this might as well say mill five and then Pick one. You may put a creature, or you may put an artifact, or you may put a you know right. yada yada yada. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I agree. I, if you want to be milling things, um, I think this is the best option. This is going to be uh, auto include for any sort of Golgari deck. I would yep. say. Yep, I'm with you. And I I love that it goes in the the non Golgari decks as well. Like I have I have a couple Gruul decks that would murder to be able to run Grizzly Salvage, uh, and now okay. they can. Okay. And that feels really good. That's a good point. True. Yeah, I, I hadn't really thought about. Like, I liked your comparison to Grizzly Salvage, but I hadn't thought about Grizzly Salvage being specifically Golgari colored. You know what I'm saying? Where this is mono colored. Yeah. That's huge, too. Yeah. Like, um, go ahead. I was going to say, you're now that you're saying that, something Gruul has been doing recently is is caring about, like, um, like lands and graveyards, number of lands and graveyards and stuff. Yes. And uh, this is a way for you to, you know, dump a bunch of lands in the graveyard, but also draw a card. You know, yep. That, that's exactly the Gruul deck that I want this for. It's uh, I, have a, I have a Gruul Guild Mage deck 
that puts a lot of effort into sacrificing lands, milling lands, discarding lands, and just having a lot of lands in the graveyard. Like Ruination Rider also loves this card. Mm-hmm. But like Yeah, that was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. I've been wanting to have Grizzly Salvage in not black for a long time. Right. <laughs> and like now we have it and I'm overjoyed. Mm. All right. But yes, I agree. I like it a lot. All right, let me move on to another one of my comments. It's a Dwarf Wizard. We have Dwarven Forge Chanter for a generic and a red. You get a 1-3 with prowess. Excellent. One of my favorite keywords ever. But it also has ward of pay to life. I put this on here because I love prowess. I I love ward. I think it's an excellent improvement upon hexproof. I love it as a mechanic. I think... The Forge Chanter is going to have a much bigger impact in 60-card formats, but I'm not opposed to putting this in my 100-card decks either. It's cheap, it's got a decent butt, and it's got prowess, so it's not going to take much to get it through. And if they want to kill it, you know, that Lightning Bolt's going to cost a spell and two life, which that can head up. You know, if you're already playing a Mono Red Burn deck, or if this is in your Is It Burn deck, that ward of paying two life to your opponent that's going to add up real quick and they're going to think about it you know they might have to think about it twice before they before they actually decide to do something about it because it's not just ward of two life and oh they can sit there and do nothing it's going to be ward of two life and then all your burn spells coming at their face yeah so precisely it adds up real quick and i mean but yeah I... i'm not sure it'll have a huge effect in pdh i just i'm, I'm a big fan of it i love monocolored prowess creatures you also have to be really careful about that lightning bolt because if you are spending your lightning bolt and two life to try and mark this guy and your opponent responds with gut shot, <laughs> then he survives the lightning bolt. Yeah, you just wasted your life, lightning bolt and two life. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's dangerous. I think it's a little more dangerous than people are giving it credit for. But again, I, I don't know how good small prowess creatures are in PDH. So we'll just have to see. I, I love that they give us this card like right after they gave us Battlemore Battle Captain, mm-hmm. Battle Battle Mage, whatever the whatever the is it like everyone has prowess and also trample bird. Oh is. yeah, Balmore, yeah, mm-hmm. Balmore, yeah, that guy. Like this is just a slam dunk in Balmore. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> if you love yeah, if you love math and counting, I don't know who <laughs> would be into that, but yeah, I don't know who, who would make that their profession. <laughs> yeah, if that's you, keep keeping Seek track help. of this guy and Balmore at the same time. It's going to be right. entertaining. All right, Jules, you went from Mishra to looks like you're going to Urza. Yeah, we'll go to Urza. Um, uh, I will say, I think, uh, you know, I, I want to say, I think, I feel like Mishra always gets the short end of the stick. I do too. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So we've got Urza's rebuff. Once again, one blue-blue counter-target spell is not something that I ever particularly want to do. But like I said, uh, this also has the words choose one, and there's a second bullet point that says tap up to two target creatures. So now I'm in. Um, yep. I don't want to play a cancel in my deck, but uh, you know it it counterspells just like counterspell does. So it is what it is. And uh, tapping two creatures is huge just for uh, blanking a big attack or allowing us to get a little bit more aggressive, uh, whether that's just getting in for lethal or triggering things that uh, uh, trigger on combat damage. So I think this is a, a perfectly spine spell to uh, try and include. And once again, the me- the modality is going to be key. Yeah, like you can you can kind of see the deck they're trying to build here, like. With that enchantment that makes a creature not be able to block. And then we got prowess creatures, and then we got blue cards that tap creatures. Like, they want you to swing in big with, is it, colors. And I'm okay yeah. with that. <laughs> the uh, the seal of approval. Yep. What do you think, Dave? Are you going to be canceling, canceling fools or tapping creatures? 
I really like Mistress Onslaught for exactly the reason Julian mentioned, just that it, it could be a counterspell or it could be something else. I think that that makes it a powerhouse in things like Aethersworn Sphinx, which want to have counterspells in their hand, but do not want to cascade into counterspells. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's it's True. like it's like you find the villain's lair, where that modality just goes tremendous distance in the right deck. Yeah. Flavorfully, I I cannot get over the the jump from Mistress Onslaught is your modal like create body create two bodies or make your board huge to Urza's what is it Urza's rebuff rebuff yeah that's the, so Mishra attacks with a bunch of bodies that are big and Urza's like no no and I just, tap them <laughs> you, can, you can tap the two bodies that Mishra's onslaught creates or you can counterspell the big buff that they get like yep <laughs> tell <sighs> tell me who your favorite is wizards without telling me who your favorite is yeah exactly <laughs> like and they're they're literally named that way too like yeah Mishra's onslaught and versus Urza's rebuff like. And the the flavor text Funny. feeds into it also like Misha's Misha's onslaught is uh, Misha being all cocky about it like Urza mm-hmm. Urza underestimated my strength yet again and then Urza's response is like and again my brother is overconfident and impulsive impulsive <laughs> like, <laughs> yep yeah John love it beautiful the flavor is beautiful but it hurts just a little bit it, it hurts hurt a little bit it does hurt uh, I'm on the Misha yeah. Misha train all right Alk what do you got for us. I'm going to very briefly mention a card called Tomakul Honor Guard. All right. Uh, this is a two-mana green 3-1 with Ward 2. Cool. And that's it. That's the whole card. Like, it's not very exciting. It's a very simple card. But mm-hmm. I wanted to mention it because this year, or early this year, we got Jewel Thief, which is the three-mana 3-3 three, three Vigilance Trample Create a Treasure, which is just berserk. Yeah. In terms of the, the, the stat line on this at common is nuts. And now we're going from that into the two mana three one with ward. Like you can just watch in real time as Wizards just pushes the power level on these cards and I <laughs> I'm I'm kinda yeah. here for it. Like I Yeah, we can I wanna, see it happening. Yeah. I wanna see what they can come up with. Yep. That's all I got for the, the Tomakul Honor Guard. Yeah, you're good. I don't have a lot for my next one either, but I, I'm just kind of a fan of it because we don't often get this wordage, this verbiage at common. It is raised to the ground for two generic and a red. It's a sorcery that says destroy target artifact. If its mana value is one or less, you draw a card. But what I love about it is it says this spell can't be countered. That feel much like, I already forgot which one it was, but m- much like the cards I talked about earlier, I feel like this is going to play a lot bigger than it reads like if you're looking at it you're like okay fine whatever probably great and limited maybe good and standard but i feel like it's actually going to have an impact in pdh because we have some meaningful artifacts not just in artifacts but artifact creatures as well we got some artifact creatures that are also commanders that can be a problem and those commanders just happen to be in blue that are happy to counter your spell but this one doesn't let them so it's very specific. You almost you almost have to know what you're going to be playing against. You know, you you almost have to metagame your pod to put this in there because it's not a lot of value by itself. But I think it is a lot stronger than than the rules text would imply. So that's all I got on that one. I think a good comparison might be um, heated debate, which is the mm. the three mana four damage instant that also can't be countered. Mm, yep. And, uh, I completely I, forgot about that one. Yeah. I, I love that it is 
powerful removal that's going to push through blue counter spells. Mm -hmm. I also love, like, Heated Debate was printed in the same set that gave us Ward for the first time. Yes. Mm -hmm. And now we're getting back to a bunch of stuff that has Ward, and we have a new destruction spell that can't be countered. And that interacts in really cool ways with Ward. So I, I really like that. As a, I think it's going to be important in the limited. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're, we have, much like Heated Debate, I think it's going to be, time will tell how, how impactful this is on the, the PDH meta. But, right. Uh, and that probably I, doesn't I, bode well for me because I completely forgot Heated Debate even existed. Yeah, I mean, well, Heated Debate exists and is a very powerful card in the competitive scene. Like, people play it a lot because yeah. it marks blue commanders all day long, every day. It, I mean, it's fantastic. So, like, yeah, having having something else that can't be countered is solid. I, yeah, I, don't I think know, that's solid. I don't know if there are enough artifact threats that it's going to see, like, universal play on the competitive scene. Right. This Especially would be very I, much one, like like I was saying, if you, if you knew what your pod was playing or you happen to get a an event going at the LGS, that sort of thing. So, Yeah. I, I'm delighted that we have that text on more comments now. I think it's very cool text. Yeah, I'm absolutely. Excited. All right, Jules, what do you got for us? Uh, I think I only have one more card that I want to speak more at length about. Yep. And that's the Goblin Firebomb. Mm, sounds great. So, yeah, it sounds like a great time. So this is going to be a one-mana artifact. It's got flash, and then for... The low, low price of seven generic mana, tapping it and sacrificing it. You can destroy target permanent. Now, this isn't the... I was literally just about to say this isn't the most flashiest card, but it actually has flash. So I guess I'll just... I'll take that back. Okay. <laughs> um, this isn't the most, uh, yeah, earth-shattering card. Um, but I think this is a big pickup because in the Warhammer 40k decks, we got a reprint of Unstable Obelisk at Common, uh, which is a three mana uh, tap for any color. I forget if it's tap for any color or tap for colors. And then the seven mana, tap it, sack it, destroy target permanent. This is huge for certain colors that just can't deal with so certain permanents. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a few colors that namely usually just can't deal with enchantments, can't, you know, destroy artifacts. And having these generic answers for so, uh, stuff like that, um, I think is really important. Uh, part of my mind is thinking CPDH where... Something like Oubliette is a kind of a menace on the format, so mm -hmm. you need to have a way out to that. Uh, I don't think that's as rampant and uh, you know uh, an issue in the larger PDH meta. But still, if you are in your um, mono black deck, it'd be nice to have a way to deal with uh, maybe something that the Seder Enchanter is playing, uh, you know, or any sort of big auras. Uh, so just having these kind of catch-all options that yeah, you're going to have to invest a lot of mana in them, but. I would prefer to have those options, uh, and in this case now a second option past Unstable Obelisk, other than just having to be like, well, you you drew the one card that I cannot touch, <laughs> so I guess I'm just going to sit here by myself, you know? Right, exactly. You know, and it does help now that, you know, we keep repeating it, but your Power Stones help you pay for it, so this may actually only cost you th tapping three lands, four lands, so. True, very Same true. with the Obelisk, but. Yeah, also, obviously, this is an artifact. There are artifact synergies. This is a non-creature spell. There are non, you know, creature spell synergies. It has flash. Yeah, um, flash is huge at one I mana. That's that's huge. Yeah, I think. So yeah, so it's got utility, and uh, I just like having these kind of catch-all answers. Yep, same here. I'm really excited about it in flash because that that's what makes it a strict upgrade to universal solvent. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. universal yeah. solvent is kind of too expensive for most of my decks, but there's a couple decks that do run it, and I'm just gonna put in the firebomb instead i'm delighted for this upgrade yep. especially in Haeckel 
Heiko needs to have these answers because Heiko, the, the entire, Heiko's entire deck gets completely turned off by Honored Heirloom. <laughs> so you need to have lots of ways to kill Honored Heirloom. And you're in uh-huh. red, so there's, there's, a, there's a handful. But like having, having one that's this flexible that can kill anything is great. And that it has flash means that if it ends up in your graveyard because you milled it or looted it or whatever, Heiko does a lot of that, you can attack with Heiko target the firebomb and that lets you cast and use the firebomb in the middle of combat oh my God, so if someone tries wild. to get real cheeky and block your heiko you can be like oh bad move man <laughs> like <laughs> kill your blocker you. like heiko has trample you take the damage anyway like maybe maybe next time don't do that <laughs> so <laughs> think twice can, buddy yeah uh so i'm i'm really excited about this uh in general as a uh Strict upgrade over Universal Solvent, and in particular for Heiko because it has Flash. Beautiful. Yeah, that's a six energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's really good. All right, Dave, you got some commons left for us? I, th- I feel like we're uh, running out. Yeah, I've, there's there's two more that I want to talk about together because they're sure. very similar cards, and then there's one Absolutely. more after that. I want to talk about Coastal Bulwark for two reasons. The first reason is its collector's number is really bizarre. Yeah, I saw that in the show notes, but I have not looked further. So what they did a new thing with this set where instead of organizing cards by color, they're now organizing cards through the set by color identity. Mm-hmm. So like the the scrapwork cycle that we talked about before. These are colorless cards that all have like colored activated abilities on them. Mm-hmm. They're all sorted into the set by their color identity, I think. And hmm, interesting. Coastal Bulwark is a colorless card whose color identity is also colorless, but it includes the word island in its text, so it got sorted in with the blue cards. Like its collector's <laughs> number is 76. It's in yeah, the I see blue that. section. It's not at the end with the artifacts. So yeah, I think this is super weird. 260s, 270s. Yeah. yeah. It's like it should be at the end of the set, by, both by color and by color identity. But it's in mm-hmm. with the that has the word island. Anyway, what the card does is it is a two mana one three defender. It uh, it gets plus two plus zero oh if you control an island. So in a blue deck, it's a three three defender for two mana. Yeah. Not bad for two mana. Not bad at all. For what? I just I agree. Not bad. Yeah. Um, for two and tap it, you can surveil one. So if you're doing if you're in a deck that wants to fill its graveyard, if you're in a deck that wants defense against early beatings if you want something to do with your mana at the end of a turn cycle because you were holding up for counter spells if you want three three blockers for only two mana like i think this card has legs on it i or, really or if you're playing demir spybug if you're playing demir spybug <laughs> this is a repeatable source of surveil yeah and speaking of repeatable sources of surveil the other card i want nice to mention segue. briefly here is tokasia's dig site is a land comes into play untapped, taps for colorless, and for three and tap it, you can surveil one. So on the on the subject of if you're playing a deck that is going to keep mana up for interaction through a turn cycle and then need something to do with that at the end of a turn cycle where you didn't spend your interaction, or if you're playing a deck that can run out of gas and needs something to do with its mana late game so that you're not dead drawing, this card is like a free include. It takes a land slot, it doesn't mm-hmm. even come into play tapped. The only no. only thing you lose from this is colored mana. If you're in a five color deck, it's probably not worth it. If you're in yeah, a one or two color deck, 
just cut a basic for Tokasia's dig site and just have something to do with your mana late game. This card Honestly, is Honestly in a, a two color deck, I you know, I'd probably cut Ash Barons or something. Yeah. Ash Barons. I, I, no problem with that. Friends is a great card and it is somehow also an easy cut for Tokasia's dig site. Yeah. <laughs> if you're worried about having too many colorless lands in your deck, like Yep. Yeah. This is this is as close as we get to like universal. I think this is probably approaching Bonders ornament level. Most decks should have this in them. It's pretty darn close. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree as well. All right. Let me hit my last comment here and then we can uh, circle back around. You said you got one more, Dave. I have one more after this. Okay. Yep. Let me hit my last one here. It is one I'm actually more excited about the longer I've been staring at it in the show notes. And that is Dredging Claw. I'm not usually hyped up about equipment, but this one. This one, this one kind of got me. It's two mana for an equipment. An equipped creature gets plus one, plus oh, and has menace. And whenever a creature enters the battlefield from your graveyard, you can attach Dredging Claw to it. And its normal equip cost is a colorless and a black. So I am a huge fan. I think we had some in Eldraine. I'm a huge fan of equipment that auto-attaches, but it's normally like uh, when this equipment enters the battlefield attach it to a non-human you control or what have you this is awesome because you can repeat it you know if you had the mana to do it or the spells or what have you you can repeatedly do it in the same turn if you needed to you know if you got one cre- unearth one creature and then that creature died for some reason and you unearth another one you can attach it again it's not it's not an etb um etb ability of the equipment itself it's an ability of the creatures entering your graveyard so i'm a big fan of that and just the more and more I play PDH, the more and more I have really come to appreciate Menace and how powerful it actually is. It is not much of a player at all in 60-card formats, at least not in Pauper. But in PDH, it can win you games. That one keyword alone can win you games. I've seen it happen. I've lost to it, so I know it's possible. So I like that the uh, the equipment provides that. And yeah, I'm just a big fan of it here. I, you know, it'll play. <laughs> this is another one that that should have been around for our, our Halloween episode because this would have played nicely with uh, Breathless Knight that was in my deck. Uh, if you want to put it in a Rakdos build, you can put it on Champion of the Flame, give him menace and make him gigantic. Just just all that sort of thing. So I don't know. I'm a big fan of it. I don't usually get hyped up for equipment, but I am definitely going to include a lot of these probably where they don't belong at first until i figure out where they actually go but i'm definitely going to play the heck out of it what do you think jules do you like this equipment uh you know i i wasn't down on it but i just literally didn't know the card existed but Mm -hmm. you've kind of sold me on this um i think something that we can both agree on is that this probably doesn't belong uh but we will both put it in the hero of the dunes (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) you know i mean to be to be fair you know we you, you reanimate something with the hero of the dunes the dredging claw clips to it now between this and the hero it is getting plus two plus oh and menace mm-hmm. uh i mean you're that's you're taking crazy. two things with you or you're punching for a reasonable amount of damage yeah yeah i think that's real good yeah for sure what do you think dave i absolutely love this card i love unearthing things unearthing is one of my favorite abilities and mm-hmm. i one of the things i love about unearth is when you when you unearth a chonker like a four four yeah. Like you're going to you're going to send it at someone once. You you want it to be big. You want that you want that one swing to be impactful because it only happens once and then this creature's gone. Right. But you don't want to spend mana to equip something to it because it's just going to fall off when the creature dies at end of turn. 
So this thing equipping for free to unearthed guys is fantastic. This is great design space. And it gives menace, which is exactly the keyword I want. Like when, when I'm getting attacked by an unearthed thing, I want to be making the decision, this creature is definitely going to die no matter what. I'll probably just eat the damage. Like I don't want to sacrifice a creature to try and kill it because like, it's going to die anyway. I'll just take mm -hmm. the damage. Now this thing makes the decision be like, if you want to stop it, you have to sacrifice two of your creatures right. to this thing that's going to die anyway. And so that makes chump blocking a lot more complex. This is exactly the equipment that I wanted for unearthed creatures and unearthed yes. decks. And yes, absolutely. I, mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of unearthed decks, but I have, I have a couple decks that really go hard on this unearthed thing, and they're going to love this card. Yeah, I'm excited I've... about it. I don't know that I've ever been this hyped up about a piece of equipment. Like I, I've loved some before, like just for flavor or, you know, whatever. But this one actually seems good to me in the right setting, obviously. So cool. But yeah, that wraps up my commons. I think Dave, you got one left. What do you got for us? I have exactly one card left that I want to talk about because any set okay. discussion that does not include this card is fundamentally lacking. Yeah, you shouldn't listen to them. <laughs> not, not what I meant, but uh, yeah. Whoops. Anyway. Gentlemen, a week ago, the biggest creature in our entire format was an 8-mana 9-9 called Ancient Brontodon, mm -hmm. followed very closely by an 8-mana 8-9 with Trample called Eldrazi Devastinator. Uh, that is no longer true. What? As of this set release, we have a 10-mana 10-10 Reach Trample, reach and it has stolen and my heart. I love this card. It's just a thick, fat slab of beef. It has another ability as well, though. Let's talk about this. Okay. This has the prototype ability, which is a, that thing where you, you can pay an alternate cost, and it'll come into play with like a smaller stat line. It still has reach and trample. But if you mm -hmm. don't have the 10 mana to spend on your 10-10 reach trampler, you could spend 5 mana, 3 and 2 green, to get a 3-5 reach trample. There's not a lot of flicker in green. Right. But if you can flicker this guy, you can cast him in his 3-5 mode for 5 mana and then flicker him and he will become a 10-10. <laughs> so for, even if you had to use ghostly flicker, so for an 8 mana investment, you're getting a 10-10 reach trample. My plan is not to use ghostly flicker. My plan is right. to use Lagrella so that I Gross. get an 8 mana 12. <laughs> That is disgusting, and I yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna Jeez. have I'm gonna have a lot of fun with this idiot. It's just, it's the biggest and dumbest of all of the big dumb idiots we have, and I am deeply enamored of it. Yeah, and what's cool is that's not we've we have other prototypes that you could put in there too, probably. Yes, this is by far the beefiest. It is the the chonkiest of the chonkers. This is where the beef went. Yeah, this goes in the uh, the cradle clear cutter for sure as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, probably goes in battery bearer as well. Jeez, it oh, sure I guess does. It could. Yeah, you got all that, all the mana dorks and power stones you want. Just feed them, feed them right in. Oh if yeah, you... the clear cutter will pay for that, like in a turn. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm very excited about Rust Goliath, and that's, that's, that's the card I want to leave you all with. Rust Goliath. I think that is the perfect card to leave everyone with. It's beautiful. <laughs> Whew. Perfect. All right. Well, we got through it. I got through another set review. What do you think yeah. overall? I'm pretty excited for it. Not. As we said at the top of the show, not super powerful. There's not anything broken, but there seems to be a lot of fun. What do you think, Jules? Are you going to have fun with the bros? 
I 100% agree. Always, always looking to have fun with the bros. And like you said, since there's not anything that's super, super powerful, it doesn't mean it means that uh, there's nothing that I need to like auto include in all my decks. I have yeah. a ton of options mm-hmm. from this set and uh, a ton of options across a ton of different colors and a ton of different strategies. Yeah. And I like that, like Dave said, you know, two hours ago that we're not getting sets that completely flip the format over. You know, we didn't get, oh my God, we got 20 new commanders that everyone's going to be playing with now. Like we got to go build new decks. Like we got a handful and that's fine and that's good. And that's how it should be, honestly. Yeah, for sure. What do you think, Dave? Your overall impressions, are they pretty high on the set? I, I like the set. I think I think the impression that I, I'm feeling the most right now is I like splitting the set review with House of Commons because <laughs> uh, we're, at the, we're at about the two-hour mark for our recording, and we're, yep. we're, like, we're wrapping up, which is better than being at the three-hour mark. For that a, is, yeah, so, it's much better. Yeah, yeah. I think this went really well. I, yeah. I love talking to Jules. I'm really excited to listen to their podcast. I haven't heard it yet, but uh, I think that I think that the splitting plan is the right maneuver. We're gonna have to yeah. we're gonna have to talk like to these it. guys again. Yep. And one thing I am feeling good about the set is I was, and I haven't, maybe I'm missing something, but I was really concerned. I know a lot of people were concerned that Brothers War being an artifact set, it was just gonna pump more broken artifacts into sixty card popper, and I don't think that it did that. Unless I'm missing something, but I don't think it did that. So that's a good sign. Hmm. Mm. Whew. I think that's it. I think we're just going to cover a few more things before we wrap it up for the week. But in the meantime, if you want any more Popper Commander talk, have any questions about the format, set reviews, anything like that, you can email the show at thepdhpod at gmail.com. You can head on over to the PDH Homebase's website. You'll find their Discord server there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Popper underscore B. Jules, I know you're on Twitter. Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me at Hex underscore Jules over on Twitter. Perfect. As well as interact with me through the hex drinkers account itself yep 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 uh and then when liam comes back you can find him on twitter too at popper command and then you can find dave as alcadron just about anywhere else pdh is being talked about all these links everything will be down in the show notes for you and then um on top of twitter where else can can the fine folks find you jewels and the hex drinkers as a whole uh, so you can hit up our email hex drinkers at gmail.com uh, we have a website hex um i'm active in a couple different of the uh, PDH servers, PDH home base, tryhards, R- really wherever PDH content can be found. Mm-hmm. I'd like to say that I'm there at least in some capacity. Yeah, absolutely. And then you guys have the, I don't know if a lot of listeners know, but you guys have the Hex Drinkers podcast as well as the House of Commons podcast. Yes, the House of Commons is our competitive pauper EDH undertaking. And then if you like 60 card formats as well as mostly EDH content, the Hex Drinkers as a whole is kind of, that's what we do with all four of the guys. Yep. Yep, it's all, it's all good stuff. So check them out, check it all out, hit them up on Twitter, and they're all good dudes. Even Chev, even Chev's a good dude. I'll give him that. <laughs> even Chev, he has his moments. Yeah, he has his moments, but overall, he's a good dude. But sure. All right, as t- episode 23 of the PDH pod comes to a close, we want to give a big thanks to MTG Brad again for letting us use their original music for the show. And from everyone in here to everyone out there, brew a deck, go pick a fight with your bro, and we'll see you in about a week. Peace. Cheers. Peace. Party. I brought proper text at the party.